Blog Talk Radio. The love received so far has been so hard. There's a few dudes to 
like raccoons or skunks But back to the regular schedule program The program is sponsored by Seven Heaven What else in hell can you get an open line to heaven At 11-11, emerge at the other end Of those meditation portals And elevated walk tools Even some abort tools Any questions, comments or concerns Press 1 To everyone else Thanks for attending another session I'm pleased to teach but it's an honor to learn Certainly Courtesy of KTL University Oh please don't be frightened I'm terribly sorry about this You are Peace, 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 peace. Peace to you and yours. Peace to you and yours. This is Know the Ledge Radio, and you are now rocking with the best. Yes, this is your host, Brother Blue. Yes, indeed. I'm very soon to be joined by my co-host, Brother Red. All right, family? Welcome back to Know the Ledge Radio. We are here. We are in the building for another monumental episode here on this most special day of days, August 29th of the Christian calendar year, whole year. A lot of uh, special people came to the planet on this particular day. Of course, one of the most prominent known figures in this particular realm in this lifetime is our brother, Mikhail Jackson. Okay. Shout out to him. A lot of other special born days on this day. Shout out to everyone who is celebrating one of these special born days. You know who you are. Also, the Trina anniversary. And we're going to tie all of these subject matters into tonight's show, which is child support, a vicious cycle. This is this is a show that, uh, for the most part, I would say that we've been asked to do this show on numerous occasions. We've been waiting to do this show for forever and a day. And the opportunity presented itself earlier today. I was invited guest on a program, a very special program. Um, it's been my second week on this program. I feel very comfortable in this program. I almost feel like I'm at home. You know, there's very much of a um, home feeling associated with uh, the program that I was invited to, which was the uh, Thought Network, okay? Thought Network also broadcasts over here on Blog Talk Network, and it is helmed by a good brother, a brother by the name of Sharif, Brother Sharif, okay? And I was honored and be invited back for a second time um, to be in the audience, I would say, of his program uh, earlier today in which one of the invited guests gave one of the most elaborate discussions on child support that I've ever heard. And it wasn't a rant, okay? It wasn't a rant. It was full of solutions, and it had a level of insight involved with it that was much needed. 
It was an eye-opener. And I hope that I'm coming across clear. I'm opening up the chat room now. Please feel free to tell me if my sound is distorted. I'll put the phone on speaker. Try it from that angle. Okay? Doing the best that I can with what I have. So, um, being privy to that experience, I felt that it was a need and a necessity to share it with. I don't want to waste any time. I I wanted to broadcast part one of the episode that we were on on Thought Network. Me and Red were on the episode. It was called Violence in America. That was part one. And, of course, today's episode was part two. On the first episode, one of the most profound explanations of um, uh, the welfare system and the there that I've ever heard. So we definitely wanted to bring that to the family. We didn't get a chance to. But I won't let this opportunity pass tonight. So we're going to bring you part two of the discussion. <clears throat> and the entire episode was just um, a plethora of information. I love the free-flowing energy of this episode. The brother incorporates um, a variety of different guests. Male and female is very balanced. You know, uh, it's it, it's it's one of the programs and the platforms that I admire. And there's not a lot of shows out there that really are able to grab and catch my attention. There's been a few, not even based on what I like, because people that listen to this program have different tastes, and I like. So it's not about me. I'm just speaking personally about something that caught my interest and I felt that, you know, the family would be able to get something from it because if nothing else is dealing with information, they can help in the solution base. Not only is he exposing the, um, you know, the whole industry of child support system, prison pipeline and things of that nature and the, uh, social programs in the 60s and the 70s that led to this and the welfare system, you know, but he's also dealing with constitutional law, and he's, 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 he's coming straight down the middle, not from the left, not from the right, not from any fringe group, you know what I'm saying? He, he don't have an epitaph in his name, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm not taking shots. I'm just saying that some people have an aversion towards information when they feel like it's coming from people that have, what they consider a quote-unquote agenda. But this is a brother that's just like you, more than likely if you're out there in the audience listening to this and you do not subscribe to that particular persuasion. And I love my mores. Shout out to the family. Shout out to the nation. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to the prophet. I'm just saying this is information that all of us can use to tighten up our game for our paperwork as well. This is someone who has been very studious in his pursuit of the information, tightened it up, presented it, has not lost the case, and I feel that it's an obligation to be shared at this particular time, all right? Especially with Katrina dealing more so with the, the female aspect. Today is the 29th, 29th of copper. It's on a Friday. We're talking about Venus energy. We're talking about the woman, okay, and her emotional self. 
when they showed you those pictures of Katrina, they're showing you women's face, you know what I'm saying, and showing you the agony of the black woman. Why was she left out there on her own? And New Orleans is one of those places that the government likes to use as, you know, examples for a welfare state, literally, quote-unquote. So let me go to the line and bring my co-host in real quick. We also have a, a special guest on the line for you as well that we want to bring in real quick to make an announcement as well. Peace. Peace, family. Peace, family. Brother Red Pill reporting live and direct. What's going on? Happening. Yes, indeed. What, 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 what does my line sound like? Am I good? Yeah, you sound good. Really? I know I was kind of stuck right. in the background with that. Okay. Nah, you you good, so you're clear. Clear. Copy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I want to be heard. I, I feel like I'm saying some things of importance right about now. Thank you being heard. All right, all right. Well, welcome back to New York. Excuse me. I want to say welcome. Huh? Yeah. Say that again. Talk what you said. I said, welcome back to New York, bro. Oh, yeah, I'm in town. I'm in town. Many times, yes, yeah. I am. Yes, I am. You know what I'm saying? I'm how does it feel, city. though? How does it feel being yeah. back in the town, back on the grid? Like, you know, I was very vocal in my uh, uh, assessments of what it is that I felt, that I saw, that I heard. You know, I was very thorough in my description, so you know, I look forward to hearing yours. I, you just got back, so I'm not going to press you at the current time to give us a rundown of it. But, um, you know sure you're very poetic and articulate in your uh, expression, so yeah. wait for it. Yeah, I want to get into it, you know what I'm saying? I have, you know, uh, a lot to say, it's elaborate. I will say this, you know, let me, let me spend a few days here. It was very overwhelming. I was in Harlem, and there was a uh, just so much energy to take in. You know, being in California and somewhat being isolated, you know, I, I put myself in isolation to just, you know, gather my own thoughts and, and get in my own space and my own mind. Stop for my Cali family, of course. Everybody out there, you know who you are. You know what I'm saying? My people that were there when I needed them, people that held me down, family out there. Um, so yeah. I was a lot more susceptible to energies and frequencies and things of that nature. You know what I'm saying? California don't have all of them buildings. You don't even have a lot of people. It's really you and yourself, and then everything outside of yourself is secondary. That's how it should always be. But you get to the big city, you get to the big apple, and it's you and everyone else. You know what I'm saying? You are in, yeah, you in the fishbowl, you in you in the you in the ocean. You know what I'm saying? With with, with a million fishes and what have you. And you got to be very cognizant aware of your surroundings because it's just coming from everywhere. I felt like how somebody out of town must feel when they first come to the big city. Like, oh, shit. So I saw yeah. all people in a minute period going from Lexington Avenue to Lenox Avenue. I saw more people in 10 minutes than I'm accustomed to seeing all day in Los Angeles. I'm talking about the streets. And it was it's cooking out here today. It's like 90-something. So it was packed in Harlem. You feel me? You got so that many energy. Oh, 
the people. Huh? I said that's light compared to Saturday. It's just a wave. It's a yeah. wave. Yes, yeah, waves and waves and waves and waves and waves of people. You know what I'm saying? And, and all of those people represent energy, energy vectors, energy frequencies, and you're just um, you're absorbing it all. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm taking in what I'm seeing with my eyes. I'm processing it. I'm taking in what I'm hearing with my ears. I'm processing it. You know, there's different smells that I'm processing. Everything is being processed all at once. You know, my whole and thing I, is, and is biology is biology is affected by your environment, you know, so my 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 receptor processing all of this information and there's calculations that will be taking place and what have you and um adaptations will be made that are necessary, you know, so I'll be a different person in a few days. And um I could already feel that uh, you know, my body was recalibrating just based on the magnetic field, me coming to this grid, there's a whole nother grid here. I felt the differences in my body. I'm approaching that. You know, shout out to my, my dude, Ty Levy. I started my workout regimen, my internal uh, martial arts regimen today. I'm feeling like, feeling grand, dude. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's what's up. Feeling like a million bucks, huh? And, and, and it's just a start, you know what I'm saying? People are already looking for that CMOS that's on deck. Uh, power pieces are coming out tomorrow. Parkway is this weekend. About to hit the powwow, Shinnecock down in the Hampton. You know, I'm, I'm about to see my sure. nephew. I'm with yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're about to play some football in the morning. You know, I'm um, um, yeah, some uh, some squat and calf exercises because he wants to get his legs strong. He's talking about sports, so I'm about to put him on a regimen. Uh, about to get these curls together. You know what I'm saying? Get these get these guns right. You know, life. Yeah, New York. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I'm, I'm taking it out. all in. I'll be making some yeah. um some uh you know uh. uh Ideological assessments about my surroundings very shortly. I'm sure next by next episode I'll be able to spit some some things. Shout out out consciousness, Sarnetta, Brother C Tech. You know we got that first um painting room today earlier on 125th Street. Shout out to um who else is out there? You know everybody's name. I don't know everybody's name right now. There's a lot of young guards that came through. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of brothers from different walks of life, but, you know, a lot of the youth, but not just the youth, like, you know, faceless, nameless people, these brothers are doing things, young entrepreneurs, you know, Brother Mike out of the the New Black Panther Party, a young entrepreneur, a social entrepreneur, you know what I'm saying, he uh, yeah. has a clothing yeah, line. That's my dude, so, that's my dude from the uh, Merck, that's my yeah, family from my life. Yeah. I already know, West Side, bro. You know, from the west side to the east side. You know, he, he, was on he was he was he was banking today. He was doing his thing, and the social experiment that I walked away with, what I learned, because remember, 125th Street is me interacting with big data. That's big data or big data, potato potato. You know what I'm saying? So I'm crunching data all day. That's the windows of the world. I'm sitting in the driver's seat 
looking at the world, getting assessments and being a scientist and an alchemist and an artist and all kinds of out, politician, yeah. a diplomat. Shout out to, uh, out to the, the, the planetary, planetary Harlem legend, Franco the artist we're talking about, you know? Yeah. Other than putting it down since, like, Adam Clayton Powell, Miles Davis days, Malcolm X, Malcolm Dart, like, Franco the Great. The Great. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Do Franco. Do you agree? Like, I, I just think, you know, I think Spike Lee is wasting his time wherever he's at for the past 10 years. Should have been on 125th Street with his camera crew because there's some movies out there that need to be told. There's some very great people, some giants. Yeah. I'm telling you, family, like, yeah, is listen. Hold on, I have a very special guest who needs to make an announcement very quickly. Family, I don't want to hold his brother's line up. Let me bring our brother, your brother, Casey, to off the green real quick. Like, all right, call up from the four 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 nine two. Peace, 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 peace. Yeah, yo, to the young I'll just talk about the young gods in the in the in the uh, the young god god. The young guy always falls right in, the arts degree. What's the deal, red and blue? What you, it do, man? You know, what it do, you, what it do, what it do? Yo, you the deal. You know why? What's going Missouri on, is man? The arc, Missouri is the arc state. That's why. You the deal. That's right. Exactly. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and it's not a Missouri. It's Isis about. and Osiris. Yeah, you the deal. That's it. Nope. St. Saint Louis, Saint Louis, right? King Louis. King Louis chaplain was Robert Sorbonne. Robert Sorbonne was the white statue at the end of Lucy that got shot up. That's the Let's university they was at. Come on, man. What's going oh, on, baby? Had, you know, they would never hit because they don't know how to process that information. They'll get all emotional and they're like, what are you saying, though? Man, come on, man. They, they don't know what it is. They're going to find out, man. Listen. Tell me know. why. Tell me why Marvel just announced that they filming Captain America three in Atlanta. Oh, tell me why. Man. Tell me why. Tell me why the Falcon, Hawkeye, and Captain America is coming to the A, son. Don't he got an I'm A on his playing. forehead? I'm just saying. Come on, come on, come on, come on man. We ain't playing. What? Come on, B. Look, man, I just came tonight and let everybody know that when I made the announcement on the show, I said pre-orders, you know, and, and everybody should know what a pre-order oh, hold on, is. Hold on, you get Back up and rewind. I want, I want that to be clear. Your phone was kind of skipping. Okay, rewind, okay, I'm going to say it again. When, okay. when I was on the yeah. show previously, previously doing the Lucy Decoded, I told everybody, yo, support the Hollywood Decoded. I got the visual joint. On pre-order, when I say pre-order, that's the same as when y'all hear about the iPads and y'all hear about the iPhones, the new video games, the new Jordans. You go to the store, you put the money down, and then when it hits the release date, then you're one of the first people that are able to get the product. Now, that's what the pre-order is. So for everybody who did a pre-order... No, nothing's late or anything like that. It's just that everything just got released. So the shipment will go out Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning, all the DVDs will hit the post office, and everybody will get everything between two and three days after that point. So by 
this time next week, you will all have all your copies. Okay, so you know we was we was still in the lab, you know, doing all the editing and putting everything together because anybody who's listening Man. that does any type of video editing, video editing is not no over overnight process. It ain't nah, no microwave deal. You know what that's I mean? It is an yeah, man. It is an art lab cooking. It's all you know what I'm saying. Fact. Yeah, definitely. So you know, it took fact. some time to you, get it man. together. Hey, man. I'm proud of you. you know? I, I'm hearing I'm hearing rumors about about this production right here, B. <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing Cannes Festival and you know, like you, you know, know what I'm saying like Comic Con and you know, I'm hearing I'm hearing things, man. So can't wait but to look, see that's it. what's going on this. We got Dragon Con down here this weekend, son. You know what I mean? Well, so gonna everybody going to be dressed up for the next four days. Yeah, We got it yes. popping. This is the comic epicenter right now. This is Hollywood Decoded right now, whole weekend for Labor Day. But I just wanted no to doubt. put that out there. And for anybody who has one to LucyDecoded.com, it's that simple. Lucy, L-U-C-Y-D-E-C-O-D-E-D.com. Go ahead and order your copy of it today and start your collection because right after Lucy Dakota gets sent out this week, the next production is the Captain America 3 Decoded. So I want all y'all to go back and listen to that show because that's going to be the next release, you know. Um, so I want everybody to go on Lucy Dakota and check that out, support um, the Hollywood Dakota movement because I tell everybody, yo, these movies are a means to convey high, higher learning, higher thoughts, high metaphysical concepts to people that may not get it the first, second, or third time. It's a, it's a relative factor that allows people to be able to understand certain studies, certain authors, certain readings, and things of that nature. And yep. then other than that, as you support this whole movement of Hollywood Decoded, the the commerce that is created from the production then ends up creating our own films, our own movies, our own shorts. I got a whole team of young filmmakers down here, man. I got about six or seven of them that are off the chain, and the only thing they need is bread in their hand. They're all behind the Hollywood decoded movement. They're feeling it. They love it. They're all going to be putting in on it. But I really want them to make films and movies, and that's the direction that we're going in. So I just wanted to come on tonight and hit everybody upside the head with that. Make sure you go back to the Lucy Decoded show we did back on the 8 on the 8-8. You know, make sure you go back, listen to the Captain America, and then go to LucyDecoded.com and order your copy now. You already know. Yeah, I'm saying. I'm going to see you in the A in a heartbeat. You know what I'm saying? I definitely, I got to trek through the A now. I'm on the East Coast. I got to make my East Coast stomps. And, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got some business yeah. to take care of down that, here, man. Yeah, we're going to get that visual together. You feel me? Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. You know, I want to thank all the people out there for all y'all support, all y'all love, man. You know what I mean? This is The reciprocation is a two-part thing, electromagnetic, baby. There's no electricity without magnetism. That's the true divergent. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, that's the other announcement, right? We're going to be doing the Hollywood Decoded Year in Review where we're going to touch on all the stuff we ain't been on, the dates, divergent. Uh-huh. 
You know what I'm uh, saying? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. We're going to get and, and give it to the people, say, baby. Say, yeah. This is a killer. The reason why the video family, the reason why the visual aspect of it or the reason why the post-production is so important is because you get to see the young prophet at work. You get to That's see it. all of the stories to begin to unfold after the episode was done. So that goes into the bonus. So the visual aspect is a must. That that's a must be a catalog. You know what I mean? Like, so when we go and do the first decoded that you did, when we revisit that and give it an edit, just imagine all of the stuff that you was building on and talking about and touching on and opening up and lifting veils that have actually taken place and unfolded before our eyes. Since then, that's right. Since then, since then. So that's what that's what you know. That's a great plus in all of that. So these shows, family, these are children. These are babies. Like these are these are these are pills. Nobody, you know what I'm saying? And and and, and it's just evolving and growing. The revolution will be digitized coming soon. And it is. <laughs> yeah, man. So yeah, with that, I gotta gracefully bow out. And leave it to you, Red and Blue, to continue on tonight. I know y'all got some fire to lay down for the people. I just wanted to come and put that in the air real quick. And I'll definitely be back soon. Salute, KT. Love you, man. Love you, too. Love you, too, brothers. You know that. Love you, my brother. You heard? Red and Blue, Red and Blue. Peace. 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 Yeah, I got, I got uh, monumental information on the art that I ain't even get to. It's still in the pot. I'm still stirring the pot. I ain't even take it out the pot and put it on the plate yet. Okay. But he's a legend. Trust me when I tell you. That one there. So family, 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 like I said, monumental tonight. Um, I didn't get a chance to put together any special advertisement for the program. I was in the street all day. I got a feeling I'm back in New York. It's going to be that once again. I'm going to be in the streets all day. You know what I'm saying? So I got to get something portable with me. I can put flies and links together and all that on the road because I already know. You know what I'm saying? Uh, A lot of these shows are going to be put together in this fashion, but please, uh, I do have a link available, and it is posted on my page over at uh, Paul Marlin. And yeah, send them to the Patreon site. Yeah. That that we created that you know, we became part of that service in order to solve some of the um, issues that yeah, we may have. Yeah. You know, some of the, the limits—not issues, but the limits that we have with funding these projects. So this. You know, the way that this site is put together, I encourage anyone who wants to support, who wants to, um, you know, uh, you know, give to the movement, give to the movement, you know what I'm saying, feed the machine, to visit that site and sign up and be a part of that program right there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Or you just um, the PayPal. Give them the PayPal. Yeah, pmorpheus at gmail.com, P-M-O-O-R-P-H-E-U-S, Morpheus 
at gmail.com is the PayPal. You know what I'm saying? You can donate to something great. You feel me? You're definitely going to get your recompense. You're talking yes, about you Bible. It's like if you was funding the writing of the Bible or something like that. And just look at it like that. It's just the audio version. You know what I'm saying? It has visuals attached to it. And the shit is not in dispute because it's happening in your lifetime. Like, you can go back and check it out for yourself or turn the TV on to see the shit played out. Look, Ferguson is at 37 degrees and 44 minutes north latitude. Like, I ain't even bring that out yet. I'll just say that with you. There's nothing that's taking place on the planet at this particular time that's outside of the law of 44. You know what I'm saying? For the better or worse. Yeah. And rest in peace to my brother, Michael Brown. I'm not saying that um, to take credit for that situation or to, to make anything light of it. I'm just saying the markers are there to show you that that situation is connected to a plethora and a string of other situations that are emanating from the energy that's identified by none other than yours truly. And I told you that blood moon is dealing with what that blood moon is dealing with. So we're looking at the manifestation of it. And shout out to the Cosmo physicians who came forward on Tuesday's show and gave you one of the most comprehensive understandings of what's taking place so you can somewhat remove the emotional thing out of what you're seeing and you can look at it with a practical mind and assess it like a scientist. You know what I'm saying? Rather than a reactionist or a reactionary or what have you. But you can deal with it, you know? You can prepare yourself because there will be more blood. There will be more situations that are going to take place that people seem to be um, not in the grasp of, not in control of. And let me share something with you real quick. Yeah, like four or five minutes. Brother Red. My bad. Say that again. Yeah. Okay. I think about four or five minutes. Wait, say that again. Said, Do you have about four or five minutes? I'm going to share with you this story. Very oh, yeah, quickly. yeah, yeah. I got yeah, it's talking about the abuse of access that some of us in this segment of society have authority and is being abused at this particular time. And that kind of prompted me to rebroadcast tonight's episode just to show some things. And I want to make it very clear. Um, there's nothing in me, there's no bone in my body that is antagonistic towards the, the female species. I love women, you know what I'm saying? And um, I was raised in a household by a grandfather that told me that the closest thing to God is a woman. You know what I'm saying? And that's how we were raised. And he told us to edify them and, and do everything within our power, try our best to restore them to their rightful place. Okay? But with that being said, because there's going to be some things discussed on tonight's episode, this be broadcast that speak to the condition of the woman. And I want to be very clear that I know that one of the longest-lasting wars on this planet is a war against women. You know what I'm saying? Well, the food? No. Uh-huh. The food I got. Yeah. I can eat it here? Okay. Bruh. I didn't know if you was locking up. Bruh. My bad. Hello? I'm monologuing, and you, you in the middle probably, of the that. Yeah. So... But I, I I do um 
you know, I do want to point some things out. So yesterday, right, I get off the plane. I go to baggage check, right? Everybody bag come, but my bag ain't there. And I'm like, hold on. I had the most in my bag. I had things that I could not replace. It wasn't just physical items. You know, I had documents. I had manuscripts. You know what I'm saying? I had things that I've been compiling for the last five or six years. A lot of my notebooks came with Law 44. So I'm like, yo, this is excess. This is this is not acceptable. Like, you know, I can't go for this. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I was just trying to get some answers from the personnel because my thing is like this: you just charge me sixty dollars to check my bag in. How you gonna charge me sixty dollars and my bag ain't here and no one's telling me nothing? And I'm like, you have heightened security in the airport where you're looking for terrorists to have shoe bombs and drawers bombs and you know you can't bring a, a toilet. Toiletries on a plane. How the fuck you gonna lose a fifty pound luggage? Where did that go? Did it drop out the sky? You know what I'm saying? Is it lost with the other planes that you can't find? Where's my luggage? And more importantly, if you can't find my luggage, you know, then what's the recompense? You're not talking no no numbers. You're not telling me that I'm gonna be compensated. It wasn't telling me nothing. They was like, oh, tough break. You know what I'm saying? Fill this paper out, and we'll give you a call. I'm like, dude, like. My drawers, my socks, my shit, everything's in that bag. What are you talking about? You just sending me out into the wild? So I just felt like I was being disrespected, and I wanted some answers. So I'm speaking to the dude, and he's kind of like feeling real uncomfortable because you don't have no answers. Then this lady come out of nowhere, a Jamaican lady. And she's like, oh, my Lord. Somebody cracked the, uh, they cracked the wheel on her luggage. They bring me luggage. Your luggage 100 percent. Let me bring it now. The wheel cracked them. My luggage damaged. And she just took the whole energy from the conversation. She pulled the dude that I was dealing with to the side, and you know he found an out. So she started dealing with he started dealing with her as opposed to giving me the answers that I needed. So I'm being patient. You know, I'm like, okay, just be patient. You know what I'm saying? Don't lose your cool. Just, just allow certain things to take care of that. She's running this dude in circles, and he's willingly running in those circles because he knows the longer that he's dealing with her, he don't have to deal with me and give me any straight answers. She already got her luggage. It's just one of her wheels was broke, okay? So after like 10 minutes of her, she made him call the manager, you know what I'm saying? She made him take pictures. She made him pull out fill out numerous forms and what have you. So I was like, you know, not to be rude or anything, you know what I'm saying, miss, but I kind of was dealing with with, your dude, and you just came out of nowhere with your problem and just totally subverted the whole conversation and took all of the whole, you know what I mean? And she was like, don't talk to me. You can't talk to me. What's wrong with you? You're a fool. Started going in on me, dude. And I'm just standing there and I'm looking at her and I'm trying my best not to return, you know, that line of fire, like, just remain cool, remain calm, remain collected. This is a test. You feel me? And she's just going on and on and I'm just doing my best to just ignore her. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, fool, okay, I can be that. You know, I'll be the fool for you. I'll be the fool. That's cool. You know, I'm eating that up. 
You know what I'm saying? Because I have a different understanding about the fool card. I'm like, yeah, fool, I'm that. Okay, I'll, I'll give me that. I'll, I'll be that. But she was going in and she's going in. And then she was like, you know, she told a man that she was working with, she, uh, the, the dude from the, from, from, from the airlines, the gentleman with the bag, she was like, call the police, call the police. I want to call the authorities on him and tell him that he's harassing me. And I'm like, what? Wow. With this heightened state of emotion that the quote-unquote black man is in, this is your answer? You're going to call the folks on him in the airport at that? You know what I did, right? <laughs> put your hands up and don't shoot. Don't shoot. What's they got a body there, see? Feel me? I grabbed my paper, and I looked at her, and I was like, it's people like you. And I didn't finish my sentence on purpose. I just left it hanging. It was lingering. She was waiting for the punchline. She was like, uh, and I just left. I just bounced on it. You know what I'm saying? I bounced on that situation uh, because she was doing that. She was calling him to pick the phone up and call the folks. She was going to make a scene with the folks mm-hmm. about me asking. You know, I, I wasn't asking. I just was commenting to her that what she did was, was borderline rude. You know what I'm saying? Because here I am. I don't got my, my, my property, my luggage, and I'm trying to get some answers out of this dude. English is his second language. Now he's trying to act like he don't speak English. You feel me? He's getting behind the desk away from me. And I'm like, yo, I wasn't even about to spaz out. I just wanted some answers. So I wanted to speak to a manager since he wasn't telling me anything concrete. I didn't want to walk out of there not knowing anything. You know what I'm saying? And just saying goodbye to my property. So, you know, you know. with that being said, what I'm saying all of that to say that there are some people in our society that are abusing the powers that they have because of their proximity to authority. The fact that they know that they can call them folks on people, the fact that they know that they can take your black ass to court, the fact that they know that you have an open ferocious enemy at this time, they're going to use it against you to their benefit. Because a lot of people are getting the memo. They're like, oh, nobody likes this nigga. You know what I'm saying? And at one time, he was the biggest, baddest, most feared person on the planet. Let's put him in game. And this has been going on for a while in terms of some of these relationships, people that have been getting railroaded with the restraining orders and the child support and a lot of these things are very vindictive. You know what I'm saying? They're expressions of a vindictive nature based on relationships going wrong. And I don't know the nature of everyone's relationship, so I don't really want to generalize and say that that's what happened to everyone in this instance, but there are a lot of people who have unjustly been um, railroaded, you know what I'm saying, by, uh, you know, by this institution. You know, and, and people's access to uh, authority, the abuse of authority. So I just wanted to introduce this episode to give some background history as to why some of these things may have been initiated and how some of these things 
have jumped off the track and gone out of control because at some point we're going to have to get it together. You know, that is if you foresee us moving forward in a way in which we can coexist and coincide as the restoration of quote-unquote black families. Okay? So Thor Radio stands for the House of Restoration, Ministries of Restoration. Okay? Shout out again to my brother Sharif and the wonderful cast that he has over there. This episode was broadcast on his network earlier today. I'm going to rebroadcast it now. You can go into his archive and check out a plethora of episodes that he has. Mainly his network deals with um, foreclosures and things of that nature, you know. Gets people out of those binds, all right. And he is um, he has uh, he has profound victories, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and system. We'll be bringing the brother on the program very shortly as well, explaining to the people what it is that he does. But this is what he does. He's the upstanding brother, upstanding individual. He incorporates his family to the program. Like I said, a healthy cast of friends and supporters and, and affiliates and associates and all of these things. So I want to share that with the family today, tonight. And we'll back on afterwards do a question and answer. Um, and we'll just take it from there, all right? So let me read the description, and we're going to get right into the rebuild class. So... Join KTO Radio for a special broadcast after being invited by Thor Network for part two of their series, Violence in America. We decided to rebroadcast today's episode, which focused on the vicious cycle of child support. This is a touchy topic, so portion. Having listed an expert on the topic, versed in the subject matter, but he gives you a comprehensive history of how the situation importantly he explains phone line drop, all right? Uh, Brother Greg Doss from gregdoss.com radio is our special guest. He is an accredited teacher on the constitutional principles and child support. He will speak to the men and women, women about the abuse of the child support system. He will also educate the men on how to not be subject to or abused by the state and federal government under the guise of child support, all right? This will be the first in a series of cross promotions we do with good people over at our network. Okay, family? So, no further further ado, we want to present to you tonight's episode. Brother Blue, I mean, <laughs> Brother Ray, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Yes, do you have anything to say before we jump into the program? Uh, the show tonight was sponsored by King County dot cartel dot com. That's K I N G Z K O U N T Y dot big cartel dot com. You want to say that? All right. Say it again. So I figured that you want to say that. Indeed, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, family. I said I have a CMOS in the building. All right, let's get to it. You hit me on the horn, 347-504-1444. Put your order in. All right, we're doing three embedders, too. Don't call me because you want one bottle. That's not going to work. I'll add me. All right? Let's do this, y'all. Love Talk Radio. 
intro is, is rather lengthy. Brother Ray, you there? You, Brother Red. All right. Like I said, yeah, Brother's intro is rather lengthy. I guess, you know, we can talk for a little while while the intro plays and catches up to itself. You know what I'm saying? All right. You know, I also want you to look at it. Yo. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Are we on the show? Yeah, we are. I um, I turned the volume down on the intro because I said the intro is rather lengthy. We can talk for okay. a little while how the intro catches up to itself. You know what I'm saying? I said I have to keep Sit there scratching their head like, what the hell is this? You know. thought she was playing a beat CD or something. I'm like, hold on. What's going on here? Yeah. I, I, I did want to touch and bring some attention to some things. Um, in particular, it's the anniversary of Katrina, you know. And I don't want to just run through that and gloss over it like it's not something that shouldn't be discussed. I wanted to dedicate an entire um, episode to it. I just couldn't get together all of the um, mechanisms and time. I wanted to reach out to some people that I know that are from New Orleans. I wanted to reach out to some people that I know that went down to New Orleans, you know, during, um, you know, the hurricane. And, and I wanted to get some testimonials and some people's accounts of the family because nobody seems to talk about that anymore. It just happened like before 9-11. I'm like, no, it should have happened post 9-11. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's an event to me that just seems like very far out of time in terms of, of the reach and the implications of it. It seems very long ago. But it wasn't that long ago. And those wounds are still open, and the ramifications of that can still be felt today. You know, with people being uh, uh, displaced and relocated, and the city doing other things with that community that they have always planned on doing. Yeah. Remember, I was out there too, right? Yeah, you was out there. That's why I wanted you to speak briefly on it. Yeah, um, family. Um, you're, you're folks in New Orleans, right? Uh, Baton Rouge. Okay. Louisiana, well, the Louis, you know. The Louis, do the Louis. Yeah. Yeah, so I was able to. Uh, huh? I said, Ain't your baby got some Creole in her? Yeah, my baby Creole. This is okay. Creole Moore. Shout out to Wisdom Bella. Her first birthday is coming up uh, September 4th. Family, feel free to send any gifts, you know, to either me or her mother. Hello. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely will appreciate that. Um, 
but I had the opportunity and the privilege to be a part of uh, the Essence Fest that took place in New Orleans the year that Katrina hit. And uh, I went down there. I was working with my brother, Big Teach. Shout out to brother Big Teach, who's the vice president of Polo Browns now. See how far, you know what I mean? See how far young black kettle youth get. But um, we went down there. Uh, one of the most heartwarming experiences was we went to the, um, the Superdome, and there were, I think, about 20 or 30 different schools that came to get free handouts, you know what I mean, from the corporation of Coca-Cola, McDonald's, and some other people were there giving out free stuff, and we was working at the looking, you know what I mean? And I got to see the faces, and I actually got to see these babies, you know? I really got to see these babies. I got to touch them. And, I want you to see, this was before Katrina. I said I want you to state that this was this was right before Katrina, right? Say that again? This was exactly right before Katrina. This was the 4th of July. We're in August. I think we're towards the end of August. So picture where you were at this 4th of July. That was me in New Orleans. You know, okay. I went to the Ninth Ward. You feel me? Like, because I got to feel the energy of the hood whenever I get to a different state. You know, I have to go through the hood. The minute I got off the plane, I got on a bus. Like, I'm so hood. And I went through the Ninth Ward just to feel it out. So that whole trip was really a spiritual journey, bro. I promise you, even the way that it happened, it came out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like, I packed up the next day and went. The, the trip came out of nowhere. It felt spiritual. I, I was watching Katrina chilling in the Luxor at the Magic Convention, you know what I'm saying? And I was crushed. I was heartbroken. I went to a state of depression based on the fact that I felt, spiritually, I felt those children being removed. Like, I felt those cords that did, did, did. I don't, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find the right words, but it hurt, man. It hurt. You know what I mean? I saw their faces. They smiled. I, there, there was a light about the little babies because, remember, we're dealing with New Orleans, so it's a dark place. Like, I went through the knife water, and I felt you could have cut it with a butter knife. I felt the thickness. I felt the darkness out there. I felt the body on some scorpion shit. And um, but when I saw these babies, I saw the future in their eyes, and they were just so happy to be receiving free things, you know? And they were, you know, they were just happy. They were excited. They were, they were children. They were doing what they do. And, um, you know, I just want to send a shout-out to everybody that was affected, you know, by that, uh, that, that assault. You know, we call it a natural disaster, but our people didn't suffer from the hurricane family. Our people did not suffer from the hurricane. They suffered from what happened afterwards when they blew the levees and everything that um, ensued after that. So we can't even say that that's one of the worst natural disasters and things of that nature because, you know, we, how should we forget? We can't forget that. We always have to reiterate the fact that that was a, an attack. One of the beginning uh, attacks, shout out to Dr. Phil Valentine, who made it very easy, very plain, and very clear, and we're living in the days, and we're living in the times that he prophesied in, in many of his classic lectures. The Katrina Death March. The Katrina yeah. Death March, directly related to Ferguson. Facts. You know? 
Shout out to the family in that, in, that, in that area too. I will be in the boot. I will be in the mud. I will be in that southern region very soon. And I look forward to meeting, greeting, building, creating, you know what I'm saying? Shit, and even destroying if it calls for it with the brothers and sisters from down there, you know, when we touch down. Yeah. Let me see where we are with this episode. Oh, yeah, the show, I'm sure the show started by now, right? Experiences. A result of a result of what I've seen. You might not share the same opinion. You may be able to agree with some of it and not all of it. But where maturity comes in is if I happen to inject a few nouns and verbs or situations you may not relate to, hopefully you don't discard the whole message because you didn't agree with certain parts of it, which is one of the issues we have as a people in communicating is that either we have to agree with everything that people say or we don't agree with anything that we say. So I'm going to ask my guests to bear with me. I'm going to speak on some topics and get it started. I'm going to leave everybody muted until I finish, and then I'm going to bring everybody in, starting at the top with Blue Pill and True Freeman, and I'm going to bring in the rest of the guests so we, everybody will have an opportunity to chime in. We're scheduled for a four-hour show. We have a lot of ground to cover. We're hoping that everybody is able to come together here as a community because, as y'all know, Thor's community is a hybrid of various backgrounds and what you call ethnicities or race. My panel is diverse. My listening audience is diverse. This is not a black or a white show. It is a show. This is not a black or a white topic. It is a topic. And the things I'm going to discuss, I believe everybody can possibly relate to. And if you can't relate to it, maybe it's a deposit into mind as to what you may start to look at differently. I've noticed a, a, a significant increase in what is viewed as violence, I've, I've noticed an overreaching sense of government intrusion, political intrusion. But I've also noticed a deterioration and, and decay in the people. Now, if y'all know anything about Brother Sharif when I speak, I speak generally, and when I'm speaking to a particular person or group of people, I will identify that. I want to go back to and bring you forward, and then we'll talk about the violence of today, but I want to go back into yesterday and see if we can 
do some historical poking around and see where we might have some responsibility in what is happening today because it didn't just show up today. Okay? The society we have today took a long while to get to the point where it is right now. All right? Let's talk about the family for a minute, the history of family. Most of us here on this call are the product of the family through the era of the 50s and 60s and 70s, okay, what we call old school. In my opinion, I notice tax, so to speak, society-wise, on the family back in the 60s, early 70s. And I'm sharing this because we have to understand that what you're seeing right now is about the most perfect picture of a divided family that one can see. There are fatherless and motherless kids that are experiencing changes that we, the adults, had a hand in. There's a systemic problem on many fronts, and I'm going to talk about a couple of them. One is the first systemic front issue that we're dealing with is the destruction of the family, the separation of mother and father. And I'm sure many of you can relate to that because we, in growing up, in the late 60s or even early 60s, for those of you that were there, a lot of us had mothers and fathers in the home or some of us didn't. Up until the 60s, I believe it was common for a mother and father to be in the home. And around the early 60s, I began, I think it began to be uncommon. Let's talk about possibly why. I don't think that the destruction of the family is by coincidence. I think it's rather intentional. Let me tell you why I think it's intentional. When we look at family, to me it consists of a mother and a father and there's children. Mother and father and children. That's what we see today as an example of family. However, if we look just to come up, to current times, what we see out on the street is not family. We see mothers across the street, fathers across the other street, and children across the other street. Just look at your current news today. Well, why is that? It just didn't happen today. What is happening is that our society through our media and our 
disruptive court system has bred an environment to where there is no more self. There is no more I. There is no more family. And where did that start? I think it started back in the 60s, maybe before. If you want to segregate it a little bit and talk about blacks and white, let's go back in history and talk about in the 1960s. After the World War II, as far as I remember, and this is just history, subjective. You don't have to believe it. I'm just discussing information. I don't know if it's exactly true myself. But information is out there that after World War II, so-called black people were making progress economically. They were dominating in economics, occupationally. They had the skills. They were working. There was family. I don't know if many of you know, as far as my understanding, unions came about due to the fact that because of the slave trade, so to speak, black people were more skilled than other cultures because of the fact they were slaved to perform certain occupational functions, in other words, jobs. So once some type of freedom occurred and they were able to go out and, I guess, be so-called free, they were the population that was receiving most of the jobs because they were skilled. And because of that, and because they dominated the workforce, because they had all the skills. The union came in to protect other classes, if you want to say the white class, to leverage the playing field. Now, I'm just giving you some histories. It's not a black and white affair. I'm just giving you some history because we have to deal with history before we can deal with the current. So the union came in to leveled the playing field. And after World War II, the so-called black community was said to be thriving. Had jobs, were independent, had families. There was mother and father. Subsequent to that, we had, in the 1960s, the government comes along, and they bring in or implement the Welfare Act. Now, I'm going to say some things today that may offend some people. I apologize in advance. I'm speaking about things as I know it, and hopefully you take it that way. But I got to call it like Brother Sharif sees it. I'm not speaking for everyone. I'm not speaking for anyone but me. So in the 1960s, they implemented the welfare. And the welfare was 
act is supposedly to help women, not just black women, white and black women, that needed help allegedly because they were being mistreated or abandoned by men. Now, all of you would have to go into your own historical treasure chest and make an individual determination whether that's true. Let me speak about how I seen it growing up. So the welfare came in, and whenever we know the, wel- the, the government comes in, you know they don't come in to repair, restore, or reset family values. Usually they're coming in, in my opinion, to either provide a Band-Aid or to, to inject in a situation that will enable them to monetarily benefit from a program. Many of you probably think otherwise. And Maybe back in the 60s when the Welfare Act was implemented, maybe some of you women thought so. So they introduced the Welfare Act, and y'all know what that is. They will supply you with some food stamps, food coupons, and milk, and WIC, and pampers, diapers, and Section 8 housing. Section 8 housing was whereby they built Some projects, I mean, concentration camps, I mean, farms, I mean, an area with some cheap land, threw up some cheap housing, usually in a not-so-pleasant area of the community, separated you most of the time from, and that was called the projects. I grew up in the projects. So with the benefit of having welfare for the women that believed at that time that they were being abandoned by their men or the fathers or whatever have you or they wasn't being treated correctly and the government came in and said, all right, bridge out of this situation. We'll give you Section 8 so you can have your own independence. We'll give you some food stamps so you can feed your kids. We'll give you some milk so you can nurse your babies. And these days, as they modernize it, they're even throwing a cell phone for goodwill with about 100 minutes. So they, they brought that in, and the only catch to it was you can't have that man around. You can't have that man and have the welfare. You're going to have to choose. Get that father out the house, get that man out the house, or get these food stamps, get this Section 8 and this milk and this bread and this cheese and keep yourself separated from the father and the man. So a lot of women went for that. 
Some women needed to disconnect from situations. I'm not going to doubt that. My mother was one of them that disconnected from her marriage to my father and took the independent route that the government offered. And we lived in the women farm, I call it, because I call it a farm for, for so-called people, but when you look at it from other lenses, you can see it being a farm for what the government might have seen or what they see as an animal farm. So they put us in these areas. Usually these areas have one or two entrance or exits, okay, similar to concentration camps. I mean, they could lock it down at any time. They knew who was coming in, who was going out. And it was a maze that just led to more buildings in the projects. So easily, easily manageable. So they gave the welfare, told you you need to stay away from the man, Gave the woman the excuse to leave when otherwise they should have worked it out. Kept the family together. But as you know, the government's not going to come in and help repair the family. How would they benefit from that, huh? So women got out the house and find a reason to leave. Daddy was gone too much. He, he worked too much. Or, you know, they promised you that you, they were going to go and help you get your degree and go to school and all these promises they were going to do. And, again, the catch was got to leave that man. You got to leave the father. So they put you over there in the projects. One of the conditions of being on government assistance is you can never exceed a certain level, which is the poverty level, but at the same time they – promise you to give you training and education that was going to allow you to advance beyond that situation, but it never happened. never happened in my family. I have aunts that, aunts that were on welfare forever. Some of y'all maybe relate to that. Because after you get into that environment, really, why do you want to work? When you can just have the government and the state take care of you, and maybe have a sugar daddy on the side, give you a couple of dollars, and you can live a good life. So then what happened? Well, you put all these women who have now left their men, their husbands, now left the father of their kids, got you all packed up on the farm, put you all together so all of y'all can talk, share horror stories, support each other, you're on the farm. Okay? This, in my opinion, was the first element of destroying the family. They could have easily made, had programs for counseling, programs to keep the family together, programs that maybe help the mother and father team that was struggling somewhat, 
and made the benefit was you have to stay with the family, if at all possible. I know some of you women are going to talk about abuse and all that. We're going to get to that. We're going to talk about that. So after we get through the welfare, we, we you know, we separate from the men. The, the, the children are separated from the father. And if you all know historically, even biblically, for some of you that are religious or spiritual, if you want to destroy society or culture of people, first thing you do is what? Remove the father from the house. Remove the man from the woman. It's no coincidence that the Bible mentions fatherless 44 times. Brother Blue Pill, that number 44. And it mentions motherless one time. 18 times it mentions the father and God. I guess that's a coincidence. But it also says to not oppress the widow and the fatherless. Specifies that. I wonder why that is. But let's go back to the project. So we get in there and, you know, able to get some assistance and she's in an independent mindset and I don't need no man. I'm going to do it by myself. And society says, yes, you can do it. And the government is helping you dismantle your family for some food stamps, some cheese, some bread, and maybe a cell phone in 2014. So you pack all the women in this project with their kids, and you put them in a neighborhood, and across the street, who's there? Well, Pookie and Brian and Jack and Tom is living across the street or down the street. And they're looking at a whole entire area with women that are disconnected from their men and children that are disconnected from their fathers. Well, some of you are historians. You know that if you want to oppress a society, separate them from the father and separate the men, women from the men. Causes all kind of problems, I'm sure y'all know, self-esteem problems, self-confidence, mental and emotional issues. Once that occurs, the men start knowing that there's a club called a project where you can go and there's single women there that's living off of $200 a month or they got Section 8, they got a nice little place, or in some instances it may not be nice. They're single, they're distressed. They're without a man, they're disheveled, they're displaced. So now Pookie and Jack and Bob and Tom hangs out at the projects with government property, which is the women on state and government assistance called welfare, Right? And let's talk about historically. We know that men, for the most part, can be deemed to be undisciplined when it comes to women. We know as men that's our biggest weakness, all right? Women are the nuclear weapon that they 
take down the most powerful men in the world. It's just, it just is what it is. Right? We have titles of, you know, men are dogs and, you know, men are this and men are that. And, you know, some women fall into that. But now we have a whole community, a project of women that probably has that mentality, maybe. I don't know. Our women have the tough job of now raising kids by themselves, which society tells you now is, is doable. I tend to disagree. Society will now have you believing in the maternal presumption. I tend to disagree with that. I don't think there has to be the raising of children by mothers or women. It doesn't have to be. But if there's a plan, a societal plan to make it that way, I think that's pretty much been accomplished if you look at the world today. But let's stay back there and look at what happened. So the women go in, and now they know that they can get state assistance. They know that the state will give them a place to stay, give them something to eat, give them a few dollars, put them in a little high school program, and promise them they're going to get an education and be able to stay disconnected from their men and the fathers. So the state does that for a great amount of time. They come in and they do their little thing, and then the women go out and here come the men from across the street, across town, because they know where the women are, where the easy prey is, so to speak, at least emotionally and mentally. The women had no idea they were going to be told what to do and how to do it. Some of these projects will tell you, you know, you can't have visitors after five and, you know, you can't have no man living with you when you're in the projects. You're on government assistance. That man has to be totally out, okay? And we want to think that the government is helping us, all right? So then the women go out, and as women, we become victims of, the system, because the system tells you that you can do it by yourself. You don't need no man. The kids will grow up fine without their father. I wonder who's pushing that theory. So we get on and we go out there and here come the brothers coming out to the project and they pulling up with a little car, they might have a little job, and they come up there and they start fraternizing and engaging with state property. Forgive me, the women. Right? And the state is trying to help you, aren't they? They're trying to give you independence. They're trying to make you better. So we go out there and now... She got rid of Bob, and she got rid of Pookie. Now come Byron and Jack. So the state and the government has created such a comfort zone, the women knowing they could be taken care of. Well, she's looking for a replacement, so she gets involved with Byron and Jack, and she gets pregnant again. And she just goes downtown and fills out the paperwork, and they give her an extra bag of rice, extra bag of loaf bread, and extra block of cheese, and $20, 30 more dollars a month. And now we got another kid in the house. 
and another baby daddy. So how many times does that happen? Well, we know how that story goes. We, you know, we wound up with some of us, you know, with stepdaddies and three, four baby daddies and stepmothers, and y'all know how the story goes. So that situation gets owed to the government and the state, and they start to figure out that that's not working because the government is just paying for women to be home and not working, having more kids, costing more money, and we're not dealing with the real issue of family. So they figure out what's the next way to get some more money. What do they come up with? Another invention. Child support. So they go through their, their natural resources, which is the media, and they start pushing this propaganda that the men are abandoning their kids and women need to help and men are just not doing right. And all the while, you know, they're down there in the projects and the men know where the women are that are easier probably to prey upon because they're without men. The children are without fathers. Right? So here come Pookie, who don't have a job, meeting Buquisha, and then here come Janie or Brittany meeting Brett, and they're like, look, you got the golden ticket. The state going to take care of you. So we can have them kids. Look, I ain't trying to live with you. I'm going to keep doing my thing. We're going to have these children and let the state take care of it. Don't worry about it. All right? Take his wind of that, and they say, look, we got to get some of this money back. So they come up with child support. Child support comes in, they just like, okay, we figured out a way that we done disconnected you from your husband, your man, the father of your kids. We just producing in the projects. We got whole five kids, and if you have so many, you know, they're going and upgrade you to a three-bedroom, four-bedroom, Right? Then they'll throw you some birth control. Talk about that for a minute. One out of three pregnancies end in abortion. One out of three. So let's just be safe and say at least two women considered abortion. But actually one out of three went through with it. So let's talk about the birth control. Morning after pill. Birth control. You can take a shot and cover for the next five years. Right? Free from your government because they care about your family. They care about your future. They don't have any classes that teach you discipline. They don't have anything else for you once they disconnect you from your men, from the fathers. So they give you birth control instead. Now what do we have? Some of you women might get mad at me. I'm going to get to you men in a minute. 
So we have women that are comfortable with state welfare. They can have kids at will. Know that the state's going to take care of them. They don't have to really have any meaningful interaction with the men because the state won't allow it or they'll lose their funding, their independence that they feel the state has given them. We're getting pregnant. The women are going out, and they're a little bit more promiscuous. They're a little bit more risky because of birth control, morning after, five-year shot. They're a little bit more promiscuous because if they get pregnant, well, you know, the state will take care of them. They just go out and fill out another piece of paper and say, I had another one. So we get down to the point where the state comes in and says, this is not working. We need more money. So they come up with the plan of child support. And for some of you out there, I know you're going to, Women going to get mad and say, child support is for the kids. I'm going to tell you that you don't know the big picture. And this show is about the truth and what the big picture is. What is child support? Y'all think it's for the child? Child support is the biggest racket the government and the states have out there right now. But I just want to show y'all something. Y'all work with me for a minute. So they come in with child support and they push it as, you know, taking care of the child. Now, back 20, 30 years ago, they done took you from the house. Told you to lead a man and go over there in the project. Told you they'll give you some cheese and some and some and some food stamps and a telephone if you get away from him now because he ain't important. You can do it by yourself. While you're there, you're free to have as many kids as you want. No restriction. They help you take the birth control, but if not, okay. So the women go out. They're a little bit more risky. They're a little bit more negligent in their thinking and their morals, and their character, and the values that we seen back in the 50s and the 60s, where it took six months for you to really get in bed with a girl. I remember those. So now we're in the project, you know, we can have kids. You know, the women can be a little bit more risky. Ah, if I get pregnant, ah, I can take a morning after pill. I can, I can go ahead and get an abortion or I can, I can go ahead and let the state take care of them. So the state come in with the child support, say we're going to get the money, we're going to get the men to fund what we're doing for the women. So they get after the men, and they take Pookie, who's never made $1,000 in, in a year, and we're going to get to that, and they say you got to pay $800 a month because the state been giving them this kid that you had assistance. And, again, who do they use to get this information? Who do they hold respons- or don't hold responsible to get this information? They tell you, the women, the mothers, what's his name? If you want to keep getting this assistance and if you want to keep getting this Section 8, if you want to keep getting this cheese, and if you want to continue this 100-minute-a-month cell phone, who is the name of the guy that was over here sleeping with state property? What's his name and his address? So you turn him in to the system, and the system go after him. Now, both of y'all are irresponsible. Men, you've always been irresponsible. 
But let's see what we're looking at. You're looking at sleeping with a woman. You know she can take birth control. If she have an abortion, that's definitely a decision that she makes. So you're looking at the fact that she's on welfare, so you know the state's going to take care of her. So you're risky, too. You're like, oh, well, the state will take care of the kids. So both of y'all have the same mindset that I can't live there, but, you know, I'll pull up with my Impala with my 28s on it. I'll stay there until I get caught. But I'm going to drop a few seeds and then I'm going to break out. Some of those men that are coming down to the projects are some, are some of the men that other women had already left to go into this project, this system that the government created. So it's just a revolving door, musical chair, so to speak. So we're getting into the child support, and everybody, the women just think it's about the kids, so they turn in the men to the system, and the system go after the men, and they tell Pookie he got to pay a $1,000 a month when he never had a job to begin with. And, of course, the state wasn't screening anything with the women. They didn't tell them to stop having kids. One of the conditions was that you don't have any more kids. That wasn't one of the conditions. But there was a condition that you not live with a man and stay away from the man. Because you can't live here and you get the assistance. But you can go out and have more kids. So you turn your men over to the system. You The government already got you to leave them. Then they come with the child support and you turn it over to the system and you think the child support is good because, you know, men should pay for their kids. I agree with you 100%. But were you responsible in procreating? No. You were in the projects on welfare, had already disconnected or already been reckless in our procreation. And you want to stay assistant and you have more kids. And you have more kids with somebody that's not doing any better than you. So you in the system now, now he in the system. Because the state wants some money from him. Well, do they want money for the kids? Y'all really think that's what it's about? This is part of the problem. Child support is not about the kid. Child support is about money for the state. Do y'all know that the government gets gives the state? Four to five dollars for every dollar they collect in child support. That's better odds than the casinos in Las Vegas. Y'all didn't know that, huh? Okay. It's part of the problem. It's a money racket. Let me give you another dimension of the money racket. So let's say Pookie go out there and he don't want to go to jail because he slept with state property, I mean a woman, on welfare. So Pookie and Byron and Jack go to court and they drag him in the system and they say, look, you got to pay for these kids. Not to mention if, don't, don't, if you happen to live with the other kids that they were taking care of and you spent any good amount of time with them, they may have you take care of them. So you come in and Pookie in the system now, and they say Pookie got to pay $800, and Byron and Jack got to pay $800 a month for the kids. 
You think the child support equals government, CPS, and all those agencies, just like you think the Department of Motor Vehicles is a state agency, just like you think the Federal Reserve is federal. Child support corporations are private corporations. Not a damn thing to do with the state other than the contract to go ahead and collect that money from you. You don't know that these judges and pensions and all that and incentives and all that comes from child support. It's better than traffic ticket money. So you turn over your men to the system. Yeah, he has to pay. He should. But I'm just telling you all how this systemic problem goes. So you done left them. You done turned them over to the system now to get child support because you're having more kids on a system that's designed to make you better. Now he's in the system. Now they get the men in the system, and they threaten to lock him up because he done slept with somebody from state property. And he's going to go out, and some of them might have jobs, or he might get three McDonald's jobs, or he might go kill himself because he's afraid to go to jail. To go to jail. He get in the system and he comes in and some of them might be lucky to have a good enough job to pay it. Some of them might go out and might decide to sell drugs or hustle or rob somebody just to not go to jail to pay it. And our women think it's for the kids. Sure. You get Pookie to pay 800 how much of that $800 do you get? Some of y'all know. So you get, they get Pookie to, or Byron or Jack or Bob to pay 800 a month, and they get $3,200 a month from the federal government for getting the 800 a month. And the very same so-called judges that sit on that bench, they get a piece of it for running your men through the system and making them feel like they're going to go to jail all because they slept with a woman. Meanwhile, they send you back to the ranch, to the farm, and still allow you to go and bring more victims to them. They don't give you no limit on how many kids you can have down there in the, in the farm, I mean the project. You can go grab as many victims as you want. Just come down there and give us his name. We'll put him in the system. If he can't pay us, we're going to put him in jail. What are we going to do to him in jail? Well, we're going to slave him out for $0.25 cent an hour and let him build Harley Davidson motorcycles that cost $20,000. Right? But the media will go out there and tell you, well, you know, he went to jail because he was a dad. And our women seem okay with separating for some food stamps and some baloney from the fathers and their men, then handing them over to the system while still dealing with them. And then when they're in the system, you proudly say that, oh, he in jail for child support. When the only reason why he's in jail is to fund both sides of that racket. One, if you pay it, they make four times that amount in supplements from the government pay it, they make 10 times that amount by getting you 
to participate in prison labor. Y'all seeing the picture a little bit clearer? Let me go a little bit deeper. So we know that the welfare system didn't have nothing to do with putting the family back together. It was not adhesive in any way. There was no restraint on the behavior of the women that are on it. You put all the women in one area so that the men can just come down to the nightclub, so to speak, and just pick which one they wanted. No commitment there, no marriage, no nothing. Most of the women that was on it, it's like my aunts, they stayed on it forever, welfare, Section 8, become comfortable. They figure out that they can just stay in the system and just have a man on the side and go over and visit him, stay with him maybe, and keep their Section 8 housing. What I'm explaining to you all is part of what our issue is. Let's go further in how they treat separation of family, which is a result of what you're seeing right now. So they go on, and after they get the men in the system, get them in jail, all their corporate-owned media sources tell you that that's a good thing that the man is in jail because he didn't pay child support, although the economy may be horrible because they collapsed that intentionally. Now you're going to jail for a debt, which is entirely illegal in this country and never has been legal. And then you add the monetary element to it, and you see that these states and these corporations are just getting paid hand over fist to do this to the men while still allowing the women to go back to the farm and produce. Now, let's go on to the next destructive element. 70% of divorce is filed by women. Is it overall sense? You go to divorce court, you are absolutely going to lose half of your wealth. I don't know a man in the world on this call would think otherwise. So they give the women welfare. They give them the child support. And overwhelmingly, you're going to lose on the divorce end. And don't be a man that may have had some wealth 20 years before you met the woman. She's going to get a piece of that on departure in a divorce. Another benefit to what? Disconnect from your man. Disconnect the father from the house. So you go do divorce and the man really can't do too much because he got to pay for you and he can't really start another life and he's got child support and the women find it easier to leave than to stay. And all of this has happened from the early 50s all the way up to now. And we wonder what's wrong today. Let's talk about the violence today. Let me bring my host in. Just give me a few more minutes if you would. So, I painted this picture, which was my personal experience, by the way, that 
witness my mother, who was a great woman, use us as children to manipulate and control or attempt to the father, my father. I watched that. Some of y'all can relate to that. Then the system is threatening you and go to jail if you don't do this and do that. And all the while they're acting like it's about the child and it's about the family when you realize that they're making five times that much collecting every dollar from you. There was, do y'all know that there was a prosecutor attorney general in one state that had almost $100 million in child support payments and didn't want to give it up? Right? So what is this about? Is this about downing our women? No, this is about telling you the facts. And the fact is, is that they're using you women to destroy the men in this country systemically. And it all started with food stamps, cheese, and bread. And today, a cell phone with 100 minutes. So what happens? We have a culture of children with no male interference, no family, women that don't have to think anymore. They're a little bit reckless because they have support. Either it's going to be welfare, it's going to be child support, or it's going to be divorce. So let me give you one other element of how easy it is to destroy the family and how we've got to really look at the big picture, what the big problem is. Let's give you another little scam, restraining orders. You know, they push this domestic violence. I'm not going to doubt that it doesn't happen. Human beings get into it all, get into it all the time. We're human. So they start manipulating those laws. Oh, well, you know, violence is a, you can have verbal violence. If you call her a frog, that's abuse. Right? And they tell you to go down and get you a restraining order, and that restraining order will have that man out of the house in an hour just because you said he called me a frog. Or the most common use is, I'm fearful. Okay? Now, this is no disrespect to domestic violence because I have a minister and I have women on my team, and I've discussed this. You can look it up. The most abused law is restraining orders that women use to get the man out the house. They're making it easy for you. Just go down there and say you're scared to go home because he's angry, maybe at something he should be angry at. And maybe sometime not. For those that use it correctly, ignore what I'm saying. But the statistics say that 90% of them are bogus. But what happens? You go down there, they tell them to get out the house immediately. You don't even have to go through divorce. They can award him, award her money. 
and tell you to stay away from again, does it sound familiar, your family, your children, and your woman for anywhere up to a year without going through a criminal process. This is what the women can do against your men and your fathers. Y'all didn't make these laws. The women, you didn't. You use them. You didn't make the laws. But your government, you know, that wants to keep the family together because they benefit from that cohesiveness, collective, your government institute these programs. So what else happens with child support and restraining orders? You lose your civil liberties as a man. You lose the ability to protect yourself. You now have a record that can be discriminated against for the rest of your life. You can't depend on your woman being there because if you if you don't say something right, then she's liable to just cross the road and get the state to give her a little barn down on the farm. Y'all have to understand what is the real enemy. Who is it? My opinion, there's two. Well, there's three. One is ourselves. The next is your media and your court system. It's called judicial system. So once they separate you, black and white, because all of that, all I just said, affects everybody, rich or poor, 50 cents pays $50,000 a month to somebody because he had a baby with him. Sean Perfect Cones, P. Diddy, whatever you want to call him, $30,000, $40,000 a month. Now, that's all system. Do you understand? Not married. And most of you don't understand that these laws that they apply to you just meeting a woman or a woman just meeting a man and engaging in what humans have engaged in for the life expectancy of this country is sex. And you paying $50,000 a month or $1,000 a month because the state can get five times that much because they make you do it. So let's look at what else happens. You can lose your driver's license if you don't pay it. Child's up now. They'll take your ability to what you think is to move around if you don't pay, not because they care about the damn kid, because they need to get the rest of that money in supplements from the federal government. So I just gave y'all four benefits that is giving to who? Not the man, because the man gets no benefit. Four benefits that goes to the woman, and what is the condition of all of those is that you do what? You separate yourself. You separate your kids from their father. You separate yourself from that man. And all women out there, I love you to death, but you use these systems many times in an oppressive nature 
the same way you feed these men to that greedy system. You don't have to employ any communication no more. We don't do it. You don't have to work it out anymore. You don't have to look at the bigger picture. You don't have to maintain a lot of morality anymore. The system will help you generate fodder for this corrupt so-called court system and state and government. You just hand them over. So why am I talking about this, Brother Sharif? I talk about these things because when we come to today and we look at deterioration of communication and we fall for the propaganda that these corporate-owned media outlets want to push, they tell us how to think, when to think, when to shop, how to, how to move, when things are good, when things are bad, a total programming. They call it TV programming, do they not? So a lot of us are raised by the TV. Our kids are raised by the TV. We have fatherless homes. We have menless women. We have promiscuity on both sides. We have mental and emotional issues due to the previous mentioned issues. And now we get into falling for what we say is a problem that is black or white. The things that I just talked about don't seem to me to be black or white. But when we look into what's going on today with violence, is it really violence? Is it, or is it more violent then you allowing, we allowing the government and the media to dismantle and deteriorate the quality and value of family. What do you think is going to happen when you separate family? Are our kids going to grow up and be valuable to society when they've been absent a father? Are we of the mindset that mothers can raise children by themselves? I think if you have to do something by yourself, you will do it. That doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it productive. Are we to the mindset that it's okay to have mother raising the kids and that's common and that's right and exact? And if that's the case, then... What are the results of that? So we come to current events and we see more political government oppression. Well, is that surprising because they've already dismantled you and had you leave your family for $236 in food stamps and to live in a cheap part of the neighborhood You think the food stamps is good, but they give you the food stamps so they can give you that GMO, the food that where the chickens are walking around with one leg, they just send that to that zip code over there. 
They send the food they wouldn't send to the rich neighborhoods. They send it down to the hood so you can go get the food stamps and go buy it. And you think they're helping you. Or they're helping the businesses. And all of that to get you to separate from family and separate from your men. Why do I talk? to my women today, because you are the nucleus and the thermostat of family. Nothing moves higher than the woman. We hear it all the time. We see it all the time. But why are you not understanding what is going on? Why are you not surprised that the government and the police officers and the political figures start to oppress you more because they've already dismantled you. Psychological warfare. You done created so much distance and discontent and hate and adversity between the man and the woman to where, who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? So what happens is that the men come over here and they just start, I guess, liking each other, right? And the women start, you're all in one area. Y'all start talking about how bad the men is and, yeah, and my baby daddy is this and that. And you got a whole lot of support over there. They put you all in the same area. But we still having more kids, aren't we? So you get in that mindset and you just get to the point where you just start looking at each other. Right? Now you can make your own choice, but I'm just telling you what it is. I don't it doesn't bother me one way or the other. But that's what's happening, isn't it? Men are men, women are women. I don't need you, you don't need me. I got my girl, I got my dude. Right? So what happens to our kids? And then I'm going to bring my guests in. What happens to the kids? Well, the kids have no father. You can't tell me they don't lack self-esteem. You can't tell me the women don't grow up with emotional issues, the girls, because they don't have the presence of a father. Again, the Bible mentions fatherless 44 times and mentions motherless once. Who said that the kids can grow up and be right and exact without their father? Well, if you have to, you just have to. But did you have to because mama wanted to be on welfare or wanted to have some independency from the man because that's what the government said was good? So let's look at today. Let me open up my guests. Let's talk about what's happened today. Well, we got violence. Well, What's more valid than you destroying the family and doing it cheaply? They're not giving you a house in Hollywood to leave your husband or your family. They're giving you $236 in a coupon book of food stamps to get some what you call food. 
in order for you to snag and go out there and have as many babies as you want, as many kids as you want, and bring them enough men so they can put them in the system and put them to work to bring them some real money. And you think the state care about you and your kids. And how many of our women come out that system? How can you come out a system that gives you some place to live, some food, a cell phone, some bread and cheese, and a couple of classes a year, but you'd never get to the point where you can exceed that situation? How can a system care about you when they give you so many weapons that you can use against a man just because you feel like it, because you're angry? Well, don't they benefit from your anger? Don't the divorce courts benefit from your anger? Don't the restraining orders benefit from your anger, the fact that you're in the project and on welfare because you're angry at something? When you get the divorce lawyers, don't they tell you don't talk to each other? When you get the restraining order, don't they tell you to leave each other alone for six months to a year? How is that helping? Well, we go for it every day. Then we wonder what's wrong with our kids. Well, we want to work now. Women want equal rights. I don't know how I could be equal when I just gave you those four elements as in your benefit. But now you want... Equal rights, okay. Don't get me wrong. There's some men out there you need to get away from. There's some men out there that's not going to be anything. We're not talking about them. We're talking in a broader sense. Until we come back together as family and put the men back in the house and the men be presentable back to the women, and we forgive all this pain of the systemic failures that I just mentioned. That's just some of them. Until we stop with this white and this black nonsense, because everything I just talked about affects black, white, brown, and purple. Everything I just mentioned to you pertains to money that this government, the state, and corporations get off of your depravity off of your anguish, off of your pain. At the risk of you having a family. Divorce rate 70-something percent. Your problem is you. Individually, we all have problems, all so-called races which are man-created titles. We're all one people. We all have the same problem. There's just as many white people on welfare that it is black. It's just as many trailer parks out there with white people and black people as it is anywhere else. It's just as many hoods with white and as black in it anywhere else. Well, let's be real about this right here. Speaking amongst my people, Got a lot of growing up to do. We got a lot of personal development to do. We don't respect each other. Ourselves, we don't value ourselves. You cannot deny that there's other coaches out there that has more value on themselves than we do. 
police out there killing white people just as much as black people. You need to not be fooled by that media propaganda. I keep telling you. You falling into the black and the white trap. That the media set and the government set for you. We have failed each other. We failed our kids. We failed our parents. Man has failed women. Women has failed men. But they're giving you women all the instruments to do it, which is why I'm talking to you today. If you don't value that man, they're not going to value that man. If you don't value that father, they're not going to value that father. If you don't value your kids, how are they going to value the kids? Well, why are we growing up? Three, four baby daddies and mamas. Why is that? Well, you tell me. So now that they've divided you and your kids are growing up, they don't know what a man is, they don't know what a family is, who do they make their God? Basketball players? The politicians? The government. Again, that's my opinion of what is happening today. I couldn't get to all of it. It would take me the entire call. But I have visitors and guests that I want to get to to give me their opinions on what's going on. But we have a self-problem before we can get to any issues. Sure, there's some racist people out there. Who cares? Who cares? But overall, if we don't take care of ourselves and we don't come together as a people, which obviously they benefit from being divided, then they win. My heart goes out to all of the people that suffered death at the hands of any man in a uniform and some equipment embroidered with police on it. Nobody has the authority to take life. You didn't give life. issue of people going out and trying to put some uniform or hope higher than that of God has got to stop. It's only one God. Nobody deserves to be oppressed. But if you allow oppression right in your midst and you use some of the tools of oppression that's given to you by these governments and by these policy enforcers and by the states, you're just as guilty. Once you stand up for family again, then you'll start seeing that that oppression will slowly, more quickly deteriorate. Men, once you stand up, be responsible and forgiving. Because there's no doubt in my mind that the instruments I just 
mentioned have beaten most men to the point where they now have problems. What I see in the media now is a bunch of women protesting with no men. In fact, if you look at the TV, you'll see women on one side and men or boys on the other side. I'm going to open up these lines. We're going to talk about oppression. We're going to talk about separation, even in protesting. What does protesting do? Tearing up the neighborhood. Brother Blue Pill, welcome to Thor peace, Radio. Peace, peace, peace. Yes, sir. Thank I want you, you to come me. in. I'm going to open up also, try to find Brother True Freeman in here. Let me just open you up one minute. Yeah, I, I believe. Is your brother, brother number in, in 0150? Okay, that's the that's the brother Red. All right, I'm gonna open up the yeah. brother Red. Um, first of all, I want to say to all of y'all, I, I I love all of you brothers, be, not because of your color, but because I love what you do. I mean, I honestly want to say I'm honored to have you here to come together as common unity to put our message out in the way we see it. These two brothers that are on here, Red Pill and Blue Pill. Our brothers, I admire, and I think I'm older than them, but I admire them because these brothers have been through it. Their ear is to the street. They're from the street. They're articulate. They're well-mannered. They have a great mother. They have great fathers. And fathers, yeah. <laughs> okay? So you're going to be able to tell when these brothers talk, you're going to be able to tell the balance and the difference. You're going to not hear the frustration and the anger. You're going to hear them being poised. And poise is something that we have to acquire in this world because emotions is going to get you taken in the direction you don't want to go in. I also open up Brother True Freeman line, and I'm going to let the pills go in. I'm going to talk to you all about True Freeman and bring him in. And I just want you all to expound on whatever you want to expound on. I brought these brothers in because they don't have a mindset that this is black and white. You know, they, they know what it is. They come from the streets, same streets I come from, New York. They know what this is about. And they know we all have individual issues, but I'm going to let you hear from them in their own words, uh, Pills, and just let you all know they're twins, <laughs> okay? You can't tell one from the other. I don't know. I, I, I can't tell sometimes. But very good brothers. They host KTL Radio, Know the Ledge Radio. They have KTL, I believe they have a doc, these brothers have made documentaries. I mean, they, they've, been, they've done it all. They have a show. They've never missed the show. Very educated, very educated guests. I mean, they're pillars in this community, and I'm just really glad to have them here. But y'all go ahead, man, and y'all say whatever it is on your heart yeah. to say. Uh, what I would like to say is that you were given an excellent summation of the cyclical nature of the issues that we are observing, you know, I want to hear you finish the whole show out with your breakdown because you have been able to verbally illustrate it in a way in which, you know, very few people have been able to target it without uh, emotion, you know what I'm saying? So I want to definitely give you kudos for that excellent, excellent breakdown. And, um, you paint a picture that's very hard for people to, to get away from. Pain is going to stick on the wall. So, salute. Because if we're going to tackle something, we have to be able to identify it clearly. You know? 
and a lot of people are, are being confused about what they're seeing. You know, they think they're seeing something that they might not necessarily be seeing because media is telling them how to watch it, and how what to see and what they're looking at and how to think about what it is that they're observing. So we have to counteract that and tell our stories. You know, now is, a, is, is the most important time that we have to take the reins of media and be able to, to paint this picture ourselves. We can't trust in their media because they always are going to um, obscure that picture. But right? Yes, sir. Uh, Brother Red, please, please, I have you here, man. I know I, I have a pretty tight relationship with Brother Blue, but yes, always, sir. you know, y'all one and the same for me. Whenever he speaks, he speaks for both of y'all. And it's good to have you here. It's your first time here. I know I had Blue on here, but it's great to hear your perspective. I'm an avid listener of your shows. <laughs> Blue will tell you I don't I don't miss one when I'm working. You know I'm listening to y'all and and a few others out there. But it's great to have you, brother. And I and I love to hear your diction on the t- on the subject matter. Well, first and foremost, you know I'm just honored to be on your show. I'm honored to be I'm honored to to have been in the audience to receive. The uh, the the like Brother Blue Pill said, the way that you articulated, you know, um, some of the issues that we have that have been plaguing us, they tend to be they tend to get overlooked. You know, yes. you were able to sum it up in an excellent an excellent summation, and I would take it even further to offer uh, some of our editing skills and some of our, you know. Um, some of the expertise that we may have in videography to even take <clears throat> your uh, your your summation and animate it. You know, because I would love to see that um, individual uh, presence. Our people are very visual. You got to see you know what I mean? But it moved me. It moved me. And um, I, I respect your professionalism. And like I said, I really feel good about where we're at as a collective. You know, um, you know, you know. You're breaking uh, up a little hello? bit, Red. You're coming in a little okay. bit choppy. Let me move into a better area. You know, okay. I see this incident that's taking place in Ferguson, along yeah. with the multiple other situations, because. We have to keep in mind that, you know, um, I want to send condolences, love and light to the brother Mike Brown, his family, yes. all of the brothers mm-hmm. and sisters who boots are on the ground in St. Louis, Missouri right now, and all other places where they're protesting. We also have to keep in mind that we have been suffering some injustices for a few years already, but more uh, frequently this summer, there's been a lot of uh, unjust killings of young uh, African-American males at the hands of the uh, police departments. So I don't want to focus on, I'm, I'm not, you know, monogamous when it comes to my grief. I want to focus on the totality, the whole. I believe that when we do that, we can really paint a, a bigger picture, you know. So yeah. um, cause as you, yeah, because like you were talking about it earlier, it's all-encompassing at this point. No, it is all encompassing at this point. I feel like yeah. society is is sick. 
And I, I, I think that um laid the groundwork for where we need to take the conversation, and that is we've been attempting or trying to have this conversation, a larger conversation with the community, quote-unquote. And by that, I mean people that have their ears open that are willing to hear a different perspective on what's taking place in this country, you know, with melanated people. And not only melanated people, but also people that are, quote-unquote, citizens of this country. If you're citizens of a corporation, then we have to talk about what exactly does that mean? What is the approach towards the valuation of a quote-unquote citizen of a corporation? How is this a corporation? Is it, in fact, a corporation? You know, is this a conspiracy theory? What proof do we have to speak to this? So when you're dealing in the corporate sense of, you know, uh, uh, of a societal structure, how is that corporation exactly going to act when that corporation starts liquidating itself, when that corporation goes bankrupt, when you have different monetary systems that have now come onto the planet that have devalued the dollar, the lifeblood of that corporation, how is that corporation going to respond to the property that it, it, you know what I'm saying, that is holding that dollar up? Right. So when the dollar drops and we value the dollar the way that we do, a dollar that has no value, what's going to start happening to those people when you become fourth, fifth, and sixth class citizens in a corporation, what starts happening to those people that no longer have value in the corporate, in the, in the corporate structure? So mm. there's certain things that's like that that we're witnessing, and we already have a level of devaluation amongst ourselves for melanated, carbonated black life. You know what I'm saying? We've already been put into this vicious cycle of which you've laid the groundwork to where we devalue life, you know what I'm saying? When you are now in those projects selling those same mothers that they're talking about, crack cocaine, there's an issue that needs to be addressed that we have seen to want to shirt from. You know, the damage has been done. We're looking at those cycles play themselves out at this particular time. Just the fallout. that we listen to, yeah, the culture that we're a part of reinforces that devaluation every single day. You know, what is a thought? Uh, what is, how do you pronounce it? A thought? What is a thought? You know? Right. What is, what is, what is, what is real? Why do we take pride in our cities being murder capitals? You know, we wear that shit like a badge. Mm-hmm. That's right. Nigga, I'm from the murder capital, nigga. Like. Right. All exactly. of these things speak to the devaluation that we have placed amongst ourselves of our community we have effectively lost control. I'm not making it so much about us, but we all we got. You know what I'm saying? So if it's if it's if it's the individual, then it's the household, then it's the neighborhood, then it's the larger community, you know what I'm saying? Then it's that diaspora, then it's anybody else that comes after that. Because you gotta get that down packed. Because situation where, right, we started from the bottom, now we supposed to supposedly, you know, supposed to be here, wherever that here is. So we're trying to get to this collective place, again, whether it's an individual endeavor or whether it's, you know what I'm saying, a, a, a family situation. You know, you're trying to get the family back together. We're trying to get the community back together. We're trying to get the people back together. We're trying to get the diasporic aspect of your people across the globe back together. we all supposed to be aiming to get somewhere. But we have this 800-pound gorilla in the room that we don't want to address. 
and that's the, the economic that's lifeblood right. of who we are as a people is funded by our very own destruction that we effectively have our hands in. Right. And that's the individual cause. I mean, but we have to understand also in order for us to to elevate, we have to elevate as one people. Everybody has a contribution to make across race, party, economic. We're all, right now, we're all father. They want money. I don't care if you're white, you're black. They want your money. They want your money or your body. It's as simple as that. And the people that are doing that is media and your court system, which needs to be totally purged and cleaned. Because I don't, you know, I know people are calling, and I'm going to go to a video right quick as a small break, and I'm going to bring in True Freeman and a few other ones, because he does a lot of investigative reporting, but they called this years ago. There's certain ministers, there's certain uh, political figures out there that were saying that this was going to happen. And I'm going to play you a video uh, that shows you, demonstrates to you that these people have these things planned, but break up a good point about devaluation. We have to come together as a people because I'm telling you right now, whatever their plans are to do, it's not going to affect. It might affect one culture more than the other, but it's going to affect everybody. If they bring in so-called martial law, it's not going to be martial law for brown people or black people. It's going to be martial law for everybody, okay, because they want everybody. I'm not, not quote-unquote, signaling out a specific group, but I am directing my conversation to speak about what we're witnessing is a level of aggravation that's being implemented or played out on a specific group that are always or have always been associated with victimization. So let's be clear. But, Pill, let me ask you this. Is Is that just one of the triggers that they use because I'm going to let you listen to this video, and you're going to hear how they plan this sort of destruction. And is it really that, you know, they use that to get everybody riled up? Are they trying to elicit a reaction? Or, and you're going to listen to this man on this video, and I think you'll realize what it is. And then I'm going to bring the rest in. But I want you all to listen to this right quick. This is video. It's about six minutes long, and I want us to get an idea so we can go into the next segment of what we're going to talk about. What really is it? So hold on a second. So they couldn't be from here. We have a validated customer, and every place yesterday was a different place. But local store owners believe people from out of town are responsible for the recent heightened violence and looting. Uh, CNN's Don Lemon is joining us now live from Ferguson. What's the mood like there, Don? Okay. Uh, I think we're about to be arrested because we're standing on the sidewalk and you said you want to... But this here is the foundation for this. You can't separate them. I, I don't know what them black robe perverts don't understand down there. Contractors are going to come in. They'd be me. People like me, but on the other side. They're going to kill you. You're going to start seeing people. That person sitting next to you a few years from now will not be sitting there because they're going to be gone. 
because somebody like me is going to come in and kill you. For all you wannabes out here who think you're the baddest thing in the world, i got news for you. You're going to meet bad. Not that bad can't be killed, but when you're talking with somebody who does this 24-7 every day of their life, they get pretty good at it. Right. Not somebody who just does it every now and then. We've been standing here all day, so. Let's go. Come on, let's go. Okay, so that's what's happening here. So people are here and they're standing on the You can see what's happening. Um, we've been standing here all day. They told us to come here. I can't move. I'm, a, I'm not going to resist the police officer. So I'm being pushed back by the police officer. And you can see this is exactly what the citizens have been dealing with. So we're going to Now you see why people are so upset here. I've done my fair share of killing. I'm tired of it. And you're either going to go to the ballot box or you're going to go to the bullet box in the next 18 months. If you got that time. The new constitution is all ready to go. They only need the right incident to bring it down. And they're working on that right now. We're not very... Seventy-two percent of children being born in African-American communities to single parents is a frightening number. Daniel Patrick Monahan in his report said that 29 percent of African-American children being born into Ottawa Lock households is a travesty. So if 29 percent is a travesty in 1965, what is 72 percent in 2013? I wish I'd had a father who was around. My name is Lorna Chapman, I'm a single mom of three children. Being a single mom is not easy at all. Did you do your homework? Single parenthood as a notion was not really present pre-colonization and pre-slavery. African men took care of their children. We haven't been to Africa in a long time. Most African Americans don't know much about Africa. What are women looking for when a mate? They're looking for all the wrong things and are accepting less and less because the norms are telling them they're entitled to less and less. I think it's problematic when our young people see our celebrities father multiple children with multiple women. The government is taking a version of taking care of their children from the black man. The government is the daddy of the family. The court acts for 17% of your income. So the father should have a minimum of 17% of the child's time. Honestly, I really think it should be 50% of the time. If you have laws that encourage people on welfare to not have a man in the home, then guess what? People on welfare are not going to have a man in the home. People who blame the government to say, well, the government is trying to hold me down. Those are people who just talk a lot of crap. It's about getting up every day in that house, showing how to respect a mother, showing how to live showing work ethic, all of those things you teach on a daily basis, and that can't be done piecemeal. It's a pretty disturbing epidemic. It is beyond catastrophic. It's a crisis. It's devastating. The 72% number. continue the conversation now. My five tips for African Americans prompted strong reactions, even some outrage, some anger, some shock. 
Our next guest has five tips for white people to improve race relations or improve their conditions. So anti-racism activist and author Tim Wise joins us now from Nashville. Tim, man, I got a scathing email from you. Why were you so mad at me? I wasn't mad at you, man. I just think that the words Bill O'Reilly didn't go far enough should never be uttered by anyone in this country, <laughs> let alone you. But, you know, that was my beef. Well, my thing is, is that there are many things that Bill O'Reilly and I disagree on, but this just happens to be yeah. one subject where we agree on a few things. And so, okay. don't, as I said, don't shoot the messenger, attack the message. So, um, sure. here, fix the message. So, listen... Um, You've been on this program. I was like, I, did Tim think this was the last conversation we were going to have about race? And you have been on this program 23 times since 2009, and that's the time that our booking department alerted you, not the times where I called you and personally asked you to be on this show. And we've had right, many right. conversations about race, about sure. we've run the gamut. So this is a, So now let's have this conversation since people okay. were, you know, like, hey, you know, what about, why, why don't you talk about what white people can do? You say, stop right. dodging the issue by saying things like slavery was a long time ago. Get over it. Why? Right. Well, that's the operative deflection, right? The idea that when we're talking about racism, we're automatically talking about the period of enslavement. But when black and brown folks are talking about racism, they're talking about what's going on now. They're talking about stop and frisk. They're talking about racial profiling, two million cases of housing discrimination a year now, even though we have fair housing laws. So I think when white folks do this, sort of like, well, that was a long time ago, uh, it's inaccurate, it's disingenuous, and it's really sort of inconsistent because, frankly, we love the past when it makes us feel good. That's what July 4th is. That's what those fireworks are. The American Revolution happened a really long time ago. White folks aren't over that one yet. So it seems to me we ought to at least understand history does matter and it continues okay. into the present. Okay. I know that you've this is your life's work, but I want to get through this. I only have a certain amount of time. I don't want to get through all five of them. You okay. said, assume that people know their own lives better than you do. In other words, black folks aren't crazy when they say they get profiled. I, I had that argument, I'm right. sure you remember, with a conservative radio host recently. Go ahead. Absolutely. That one's self-explanatory. Right. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Stop saying you have a black friend as a get-out-of-racism-free card. Right. I mean, the reality is, first of all, we say that we, we're oftentimes lying. We don't really. But more importantly, even if we have people of color in our lives, that would be like a straight man saying that he can't be sexist because he has a wife. Like, who would make that argument, right? Just because you have people who are close to you in a marginalized group doesn't mean that you don't carry any prejudice in the larger society. So that's not a get-out-of-racism-free card, and that's, that's just not a legitimate response to the claim of racial bias. Confront the long legacy of white denial when it comes to racism. Yeah, this is a really big one. You know, the reality is I understand why white folks in 2013 might not see the problem. But what's really scary is that if you go back to 1962-63, when we were still an apartheid country before civil rights laws had even been passed, between two-thirds and 90% of white Americans in Gallup polls at that time said that they thought black folks still had equal treatment in housing, employment, and schools. So I guess my challenge to white folks is, what does it say that even when racism was blatant, we didn't see the problem, and what does that mean for us now? If we didn't see it when it was blatant and we were wrong, and black and brown folks saw it and they were right, what makes us think that suddenly we've become really perceptive and they've lost their minds? That seems totally irrational to me. Mm -hmm. Stop using statistics incorrectly to justify prejudice. And I think that one of those is um, talking about crime. We don't say white on white crime, but we say black on black right. crime. And then when you actually look right. at overall violent crime in the U.S. is 
coming down. It's still a crisis, especially in yeah. minority communities. It's still a crisis. People are still killing each other. But you said stop right. using statistics incorrectly. What I mean by that is this, you know, people have tried to rationalize racial profiling and stop and frisk in New York, for instance, by talking about the disproportionate crime rate in black communities. But the reality is that data cannot be used to justify general suspicion of all black folks in New York, for instance, out of the millions of stops that have been made, less than 5% of the time is even a citation given, let alone an arrest. Less than 2% do they find drugs, less than two-tenths of a percent do they find weapons. So the reality that there's disproportionate crime in a certain community cannot be used to justify the kind of overgeneralization that racial profiling and stop and frisk have brought about in places like New York and around the country. Mm -hmm. uh, you, it was hard for you to cut it down to five, wasn't it? Yeah, I had like 80. So <laughs> folks who want to find out more can check it out on the website or they can. You said, quote, I don't want to make black people's lives better by giving them somebody else's money. When most of the people, as you know, on welfare are white people. Yes, I'm doing it. It is Entitlement Week on Fox Business Network. Star Parker, admitted former welfare cheat and president of Cure, is live with us now from Washington. Star, welcome to the program. Well, thank you. It's good to be back with you. Yeah, indeed it is. Now, look, we, we've been running clips earlier in the program of your interview with John Stossel, where you're mm -hmm. saying how easy it was to get a couple of checks a month to pay for your food and all the rest of it. Now, here's my question, though. When you were on welfare, when you were cheating on, on doing it, did you feel that you were cheating, or did you feel, hey, look, it's out there. I'm entitlement, entitled to it. Give it to me. How did you feel when you were doing it? I didn't have any feelings. I was also on drugs. It didn't matter because I bought the lie that poor people were poor because rich people were rich. And so I didn't have any problem with going on welfare to pay for my life. But now, remember, you didn't have to use your check to pay for food because you also get food stamps. Okay. So when you were on welfare, you got, um, did you get a cash welfare? You certainly got mm -hmm. food stamps. Your rent mm -hmm. was paid for. Medical mm -hmm. treatment was paid for. What, was everything paid for by the government? Yes, everything was paid for by the government. But keep in mind that Uncle Sam is cruel to the poor. These programs don't work for them. We have over 4,000 housing projects in this country. It's not working for the people. You just get addicted to it like any other uh, drug, and you start depending on that life, and it just spirals you into a little dark hole. So, look, we've, we've, I've been making the point this week that the recipients of this kind of, an, of extensive entitlement program, the recipients are actually destroyed by it. Now, that's a very strong thing for me to say. Would you agree with it? I absolutely agree. The recipient is not only destroyed, their personal dignity, and then they become much more addicted all of their lives. But the whole communities are destroyed. Let's look what happened, for instance, in the black community, the impact of this entitlement mentality and welfare, government dependency. After the war on poverty in the 60s, we began to see an unraveling of the entire black community because the family collapsed. During the 60s, the black family was pretty healthy. 
78% of husbands were in their homes with their wives raising their children. But after this lure to government that said you don't have to work, you don't have to save, you don't have to get married, over time marriage stopped occurring to where now 7 out of 10 black children are born outside of marriage. And what happens when you don't have that intact family is your values change. So your culture changes, so your community changes. Well, you're out there now very publicly saying that entitlement, the entitlement mentality is a very bad thing and destroys communities. What's the reaction to you now saying what you're saying? Well, it depends on who I'm saying it to. Some give me death threats and others say, tell us more. How did you get out? And uh, that's one of the reasons I wrote my book, Uncle Sam's Plantation, because I want people to understand that they don't have to live uh, at the hand of the government. You know, I'm spending my life, as you said, I'm running an organization here in Washington, D.C., spending my life now, as I suppose, to pay back society to get everybody off of welfare. I just feel that there are some contributions that everybody can make without Uncle Sam telling them, don't worry about your life. Just live off our hand from womb to tomb. I just wonder, though, real briefly, get a lot of hostility. Do I get hostility? Yeah, <laughs> well, of course I do. Hey, being a black conservative in this society is social suicide. You live alone, you have a lonely life. Well, welcome to the program. It's very good to have you with us, Star Parker. This is Entitlement Week, and you can... Black History Month you find ridiculous. Why? You're going to relegate my history to a month? Oh, come well, on. What do you do with yours? What, which month is White History Month? No, well, no, 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 come on, tell me. Well, the, the, I'm Jewish. Okay. Which I'm month is Jewish History Month? Uh, there isn't one. Oh. Oh. Why not? Yeah. Do you want one? No, no. No, I, 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 I don't either. I don't want a Black History Month. Black history is American history. How are we going to get rid of racism? And Stop talking about it. I'm going to stop calling you a white man. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you to stop calling me a black man. <coughs> I know you as Mike Wallace. You know me as Morgan Freeman. You understand what I, I know this white guy named Mike Wallace. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Welcome, welcome. Welcome back to Thor Radio Network, the House of Restoration Ministry. We're getting ready to reset, ready and restore. The family played you some selected audio clippings of some YouTube videos and news reports that are out there, providing to you a hybrid of different philosophies, beliefs, and statistics. Before I bring my guest in, Greg Doss, for the first half of the show, wanted to demonstrate to you how the creator of the balanced universe works. When I spoke last Friday and gave my monologue on my personal experience growing up in this world and how I witnessed firsthand the destruction of family. I was speaking from the heart based on my first-hand knowledge. I find it ironic that upon searching today for some videos that the last video that you heard with the sister speaking about welfare and how it destroys the family is almost verbatim to what I was saying. 
come together today uh, to speak about violence and I think what started this barbecue on this topic was recent violence that we see with so-called African-American people. And we could single that out in many ways. But as the clippings, as we went on, I have to be honest and fair in my assessment that when we're dealing with economics and when we're dealing with welfare, we have to be real about the statistics and those are that are, there are more so-called Caucasian and white people on welfare than there are blacks. We have to be real about our corporately owned news media outlets who love to portray a certain image of a certain culture of people. The statistics do not lie. There, there is not as many black people on welfare as there are white. There is not crime that is done more so by the black population than the white population. As your news media just recently told you. So I have to be real about that. Make sure we understand that. That I have to be balanced in our approach and our information. We have an issue and every culture, I believe, has issues amongst it. The recent violence that we've seen in Ferguson and New York and elsewhere, well, the two incidents in Ferguson, it's just part of the story. We can't ignore, although I might disagree with the reality of it, we can't ignore the Sandy Hook event, the Boston Marathon event, the Colorado movie theater shooting, the college campus shootings, which were allegedly done by so-called white people. And the reason for it, at least alleged, is based on a medicated society or medicated people. And of course, our biggest drug dealer in this country is the U.S. That's indicative of the recent passing of laws now allowing you to use marijuana because they deem it fit or appropriate. Although they've put many white and black people in jail for possessing them. So we have to be real and when we look at things and my guess is probably one of the most rawest on these topics going to have a lot to cover with them we're going to talk about the welfare system we're going to talk about poverty we're going to talk about the prison system our government doesn't get involved with anything and I said this last night and I'll say it, say it again our government doesn't get involved with anything that doesn't make money Okay. Um, as the young lady and the other shows depict, we all have contributions to make to an amicable society, both white and black. We all have issues and responsibilities, mindsets that have been 
transferred from generation to generation. I see it all. I see whites say that blacks are lazy and on welfare, and then I see some blacks that say that, well, we built the country, we're taking a rest. Uh, you know, I hear it all. There's many trends of thoughts out there, and uh, I cannot interfere with someone's reality and perception. However, once you come into a legal mind, you will tend to lean towards facts versus hearsay. Okay? And I'll just leave it on those two scales, black versus white, dark versus light. There is a lot of hearsay out there. There are people that will speak to you as if there are some facts. It's a lot about religion that is hearsay. We don't know. It's all about what you believe in. But we came together today to to discuss some of the main issues, and we, we did so as well last night, to talk about some of the oppressions that our government and states, public officials, law enforcement puts upon us, and the obvious, obvious overreaching arm of government and the abuses of government, including our law enforcement officers. It appears real clear, and I'm going to open up my guest, Greg Doss, as well as Blue Pill. We're going to discuss some of these issues and try to cover as much as possible because this gentleman I'm bringing in is subject matter relative on a diversity of topics. All right? We're experiencing right now one of the most alarming trends in American politics, and uh, it appears as though our government and public officials are acting like ravening beast that loses its fear, fear of humans. And uh, we've seen in history where government becomes more dangerous when it loses control, they feel, of people that they never were allowed to control. I think we all maintain a certain balance within us. We all don't need someone telling us six million ways, six million codes and laws what we should be doing and should not be doing. If we took every law off the book today, those who are law-abiding and have morals and Values will continue to be that way, and those who don't will continue to not be that way. But I want to make sure that we try to cover as much as possible. I'm going to bring my guests in, and we got a variety of things to talk about. What I'm going to bring in is Greg Doss. He's from gregdoss.com. He's a radio personality. Been so for some years right now. I just had the honor of uh, meeting minds with him on yesterday for a couple of hours on a variety of topics along with Layla. And we share many of the same sentiments and views on many different things. One, one thing we do agree on is that we have a war rage against our women, and our women are being used 
in many ways to destroy, disintegrate the value of their men. And because of that, we have a society of fatherless children and menless women that is forcing other issues in terms of women on women and men on men as well as society issues regarding our kids where our kids are suffering consequences because of that lack of family structure we're going to talk about that topic I'm going to open up Greg Doss's line Greg Doss is also he does a man mindset which is a men's I guess you would call it support group but what he discusses is relationship issues and women issues and men issues you need to be over 18 if you ever stumble upon that show it's, it's real raw <laughs> and he also <laughs> is a co-host over there at high frequency radio the network by which i've transferred from but he's also a co-host over there and he's on wednesday evening at eight you can catch him over there as well but he has his own show the gentleman is well studied he's well researched he's well versed in the subject matter we're about to get into also i'm going to have on the panel discussing the things that myself and greg is his brother blue pill from kpl radio know the ledge and he is the twin of brother red pill and they've been on radio probably just as long as greg since around 2008 running strong and uh probably one of the first in the conscious community to have a young melanated network so big props and honors to both of these gentlemen here uh blue pill was here last week and he's here again today we appreciate him being here sister unique is here we will get to them because the next half will be the women coming out so bear with us we are not going to silence you and we didn't do so last time but we are going to discuss some things that the women need to hear and that the men need to hear so greg welcome to thor radio network pleasure to have you brother hey i appreciate uh you all for bringing me on i'm, I'm always humbled by it i didn't realize i even had any personality until you said so so i appreciate it <laughs> brother blue pill you there Peace. Yes, I am. Greetings. Greetings, brother. Meet Greg Doss. Uh, Greg, this is Brother Blue Pill. We're brothers. We've been knowing each other some years. We grew up in the same area, Harlem, New York. Uh, brother Blue Pill has a pretty big, large, probably one of the largest audiences out there. Uh, he, you know, he's been doing documentaries, KTL Radio, KTL Documentaries. Great brother that's been out there putting out great information on a diversity of topics. Uh, eventually, I, I think I need to connect you two, brother, because I'm sure he can offer a lot to your show's audience, and uh, that'll be a great connection for you. So we're trying to bring the good minds and the masters together to kind of yes. put together smorgasbord of information so that the people can have different things to digest. So I welcome both of you brothers. Greg, let's get into this topic, yeah, man. We've got a lot it. to cover. Um I mean, you've now, been doing. Now, before you start, I don't know if I'm a master or the other nice word that you use, but I, I'll try to do what I can do. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, you know, we we love titles of nobility. Uh, I, I don't give them out lightly, so I, I would consider you definitely a master of our topic. And, and, and masters to me are those that have been in in war. And we have a lot of teachers out here, but you know, they teach on philosophy and and thoughts. 
but you've actually been through these situations, so that would make you a master that you've come out. So, you know, in, in, in many occupations, as far as the military and law enforcement, you would have got a, uh, uh, some, t- some type of regalian badge or honor placed on you because you survived some particular war. So you've been through this system. When I say system, I don't necessarily mean the prison system, although you've been exposed to it, but your knowledge and your experience is something that needs to be shared amongst the men and the women to be able to give them the other side of what's going on. You know, I talked last week, Greg, and, you know, I started off with my personal experience, and I just touched upon how I grew up, and I've seen the destruction of family, and I I experienced a separation of a mother and a father, and and I've seen around that time in the 1960s, like the sister said, uh, you know, the black family was intact. You know, mother and father, we were doing well. You know, everybody worked together, and I believe in the 60s after World War II, I was looking into history and seeing that the government came in so-called to stabilize. I don't know what, but there was a bridge put out there for the women to create some independency and separation from the man, for what reason, I don't know. And then that's when the Welfare Act came in. They started offering women Section 8 and housing and welfare and food stamps and cheese and bread and and a cell phone, you know, coming up to these days here, you can get a cell phone as well and, 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 and maybe a, a preloaded uh, gift card, okay? So uh, those benefits are out there, and, and I believe it contributed to, for black and white, let me just say that, all right, because we have to understand based on statistics that there's just there's more white people on welfare than that, so I'm sure they have that availability. However, I think there's a difference in the way they still go about treating the family structure. Uh, so I shared that experience with them, and, and, and I shared how I believe the government kind of led the women into uh, a life of, of being manless and fatherless. And then after, of course, they look at them looking at the money aspect of it, and the women started feeding the brothers onto the system under the umbrella of child support. And that's something that I definitely want you to get into and talk about that particular industry because you had experience that, like most other men experienced that, you know, uh, being out in the world, having fun as a young man or as a grown man, and and having the experience of having kids, having children, and then, you know, dealing with, you know, subsequently to a child support agency and government agencies of which you found yourself being oppressed. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about that system, and, and, and if you want to, provide your own scenario of those events. Well, I appreciate you all. Uh Allow me to come on. I apologize. My father, and I need my father really quickly about something involving my oldest daughter, which is kind of interesting you brought the family. Now, my parents were, they got divorced when I was about 16 years old, but the, the odd thing about it was they still managed to be parents. And whenever the issue, and I asked them about this years later, I said, you know, you know, Mom, how did you do it? Dad, how did you do this? As far as when it came down to me and Chris, they said the only thing that was important to us was you two. Our differences remained our differences. So I never bought into this, that sexless argument that simply because two people could not coexist under the same roof, that they could not coexist as parents. Now, to what you speak of, I do absolutely believe that President Johnson's war on poverty was really just a war on the family. In fact, if everybody turns your attention to the Tangle Pathology, which is Patrick Moynihan's 1964 Department of Labor study, many of the problems that exist today 
have been amplified based upon information that they had back in 1964. And because of the archaic ways of gathering information, of course, they would have started studying on those particular uh, models uh, some probably 10 or 15 years earlier. But let's fast forward back to today. My parents were both military. They both retired military. So I had a pretty decent life uh, growing up. I was raised in suburbia, America. My brother's a professor, tenured at North Carolina A&T, and uh, he was actually my motivation for wanting to go into education is he was labeled, was going to be labeled, believe it or not, Sharif, as a special education child because he had a speech impediment. But because my parents refused to allow that to happen to him, he had a speech impediment which had nothing to do with his mental capacity. And he subsequently overcame that because my parents were able to naturally put the necessary resources into that and uh, went on from there. I guess I'd be considered to be the family's quote-unquote black sheep as I fight any damn thing. I'm kind of like Thor. I don't really want to fight, but I sure love one. And I found myself mired in one with the child support system, which subsequently I was able to get remedy uh, within the course of child support system because for one reason it's just unconstitutional under most circumstances. There's no way that they can tell you that you have to pay amount of money for a child based solely on the fact that there's no prerequisite for having children. If that were the case, uh, needless to say, most people wouldn't be here. But um, uh, the the other part is that I do want to address something in one of your clips about the single mother issue. The father, the, the men fathering children, we need to at least have at some point an honest dialogue, and I'm going to keep it Greg and not squid, relative to how children are brought into the world. Let's stop saying men are fathering children. I guarantee you if men were really fathering children, you wouldn't see guys on these Maury Povich-style shows doing backflips when they learn that they're not the father. Men are not fathering children, women, unless he is giving you some indication that's his desire prior to him getting on top of you. Men are exercising is that clean enough, Sharif? We're not trying to be fathers. We're trying to get off. Indeed, brother. Uh, that was pretty difficult for me, by the way. Because, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to, calibra- to calibrate it down that far. But, uh, yeah, so I, I've had quite a few experiences, not only with the child support thing, with the license issues and a couple other issues. And, unfortunately, I found myself in those situations. I really wanted to avoid it. I just speak truly to it. I was also, for those who know me as DJ Squid from the School of Dating, with uh, Steve the Dean Williams, who was the first person who gave me a form to speak how I felt. Uh, He heard me on the show ranting and brought me in, I guess sort of like you did. And from there, uh, DJ Squid was was essentially uh, introduced to the rest of the world. But I did, my passion wasn't in teaching men how to get women. My passion when I was doing was just getting women. And I try to get as many as I can. I make no bones about it. Not necessarily proud, but I'm not going to sit up here and lie. I took the women like a fish takes the water. Um, but he gave me the form. My, my passion is in political and social issues. So um, hopefully I did a good enough job without taking up too much of your time so that we can discuss the substance of whatever it is that we're here to discuss. But I do appreciate you bringing me on with these other esteemed gentlemen and ladies. And to the queens, peace to the goddesses. And to the king, peace to the God. Indeed. Greg, take us into when we speak about the welfare system, and this is not, and I want everybody to understand, I love my women, 
I was raised by one of the most honorable women that I've met, and I was raised with several sisters, and I have an affinity for my women, don't get me wrong, but I do have to point out what I've experienced and what I see. And uh, we're going to talk about the men as well because, uh, you know, Greg doesn't have a problem doing that, Phil doesn't either. We have our responsibility, but we have to deal with some of the biggest weapons that's being used, and that's really right now our women because they essentially turned our women against us by offering the, the welfare and and Greg deals with a lot of issues, and some of you women might get a little annoyed, but we're also dealing, Greg, as I spoke yesterday, with the fact that, you know, our women are able to get on welfare and just, you know, and, and, and the welfare system, as Sister explained, uh, you, you, you can't get out of it unless you're willing to forego it, meaning that if you make $2 more than that, then that limit that they've placed upon you, then you lose it. How long can someone be on the system being provided housing, being provided money, a cell phone maybe, a couple of classes that, you know, most women never seem to exceed beyond uh, the boundaries of those projects? You know, how long do you, how how comfortable are you once you've done that for several years? I, I mentioned the fact that I grew up with onset, you know, probably on welfare to this day, family that, you know, just works the system making it easier for the women to disconnect from the men and disconnect the children from the father. But the, one of the things I want you to discuss is how we deal with, you and I talked about this, and, and we have to be, again, we have to be real about it, is that women have become a little bit more promiscuous than men, and I believe that is due to a few things. We have the issue of birth control. We have the issue of welfare, where they know they're going to be taken care of. Uh, and, and, and there's no limitation from the state, you know, whether you can continue having kids. So when we look at Ferguson and other pictures, we just see, you know, uh, uh, kids everywhere, children everywhere, uh, and that's a result of welfare. So there's a promiscuity issue with regards to, okay, are they going to rely on the birth control? If not, then the abortion. If not, then the welfare. If not, then, then the child support, and if not, then divorce. And we have to speak about those areas because that is the foundation of what is going on. And tell me a little bit about how your feelings on those topics. Well, let's see. Squid, stay away from me. Relative, <laughs> all of, relative to each and every one of those situations, the one thing that uh, seems to be a consistent is, because of the purveyors of the information and the media and the imaging, there has become a greater acceptance of those things which would be otherwise considered social degradants and even community degradants among our own people. At one time, it was not honorable for women to walk around with a fat belly or a pot belly with a baby with no man. It wasn't accepted. And I'm 46. Uh, It wasn't accepted for a woman to be promiscuous, it, it was, and to be known, for it to knowingly uh, be promiscuous. It, it wasn't acceptable for a young lady to have a mouth that was worse than a man because there, quite frankly, is a double standard, ladies. And, and I, I have daughters, so I, and I tell them, you know, don't come to me and tell me what Dorito, neck bone, or, or T-bone did to you. You picked them because you had the first and last choice of, uh, of rejection. You can always say no to any advance, and you can say no at any point in time up uh, up to 
the consummation of whatever the act is that you choose. And quite frankly, you need to be more responsible because a man's reputation can be cleaned simply by wiping off his uh, penis or so in the sink. Your reputation is going to stay with you, whether you think so or not. The other reality of some of these things that have not been spoken to enough is the philosophical and physical effect to women of having multiple men. Men don't keep women with them. Now, I know this is an anatomy issue. Women take every man with them. That muscle memory stays with you. That muscle memory is inappropriately labeled emotionalism. No, it's your body reacting. It's oxytocin. These are things that women don't even talk to young girls about when men know it. That's why that quote-unquote game thing is so big. If we can get you to think that you are what we tell you you are, essentially we can copulate. And those are things that, that don't get discussed enough. And men, you know, at least I use it to my advantage. And it doesn't have to be dishonest. The realities are the, rea- the, the realities are, are, are those realities. Um, but women in promiscuity is also willful and all of these things, these negative dysfunctions, all coincide with the lack of a man's presence, not a male's, a man's presence. So you know, I, I'm with you 188,000% of the way uh, with, what you're, with what you're saying uh, up to this point. I have no disagreements, and I guess I could otherwise reiterate it all day long. I think one of our problems within our community is we're not being honest with it. It's even taboo to be married now, Sharif. Yeah, I, I, I was telling you the other day, I, I talked to my goddaughter, and this is her second pregnancy. The first time she got pregnant, I winced, I was aggravated, and I said, well, what did everybody say? Well, they're happy about it. I said, oh, so when am I going to marry you all? Uh, I'm not a minister, by the way. I'm a notary, and I could definitely get into that issue about this whole thing being biblical because <laughs> I had to say the same thing the minister says, right, by the power vested in me by the state. <laughs> but at any rate, I ain't going to marry him. I'm thinking, you're going to have a baby, dude, again, but you don't want to marry him. Now, and it's not because of a disbelief in the marriage aspect as the marriage is a corporate create, uh, merger and the state essentially grabs jurisdiction over you. You don't like him like that. How do you procreate with somebody that you don't like? Twice. I give everybody one, bro. Uh, furthermore, here's another statistic that didn't get spoken to. Were you aware, or any of the esteemed listeners, that the average length of time from when a married couple conceives a child is three years? However, for a non-married woman, from the time that she knew her partner, is four months. How in the blue darn do you justify the fact that you will have a child from somebody because you like his, you know, y'all feeling each other? Or whatever young folks say today. His swag or whatever the heck that is. You having a baby, bringing in a life with somebody who you don't even know. And it's become popular because the power went to the women. Now, if most guys had any idea of the information that I now know, uh, I believe within the depths of my heart that women would stop being as promiscuous if guys just would learn you don't have to pay child support you don't even have to be a father if you're not married because the state doesn't have the authority or power 
to do that to you, and I'm not just telling you, I can show you. Well, go ahead in, brother. Go ahead into that because we have to discuss that. Then I'm going to play a short clipping before we get into the incarceration side of the child support system. But I want you to go in and just explain. And, again, you know, we're getting on the men. We're not, we're not excusing the men because of, of behavior. But we have to look historically and say that men have always been deemed dogs. So we're seeing a change not in that culture necessarily, but in the culture of women, you know, and how they handle it. And the promise of having in pregnancy. So there's one thing that you said is that, you know, if, if, if the women probably knew they couldn't get any more welfare and they couldn't take birth control and they couldn't, you, you know, be, uh, be have, have the upper hand in divorce, I, I just think things would be a little bit different. Well, one thing is this, and I'm going to say something on behalf of women, and this may sound a little uh, ethnic skull. The reality is I, I went to campuses where there was a whole lot of Europeans, okay? You're not going to convince me that European women don't get their due to do on as much if not better and longer and faster and more freaker than our sisters. But as you did allude right. to, there is still some functional concept of family. In other words, I'm going to leave my freak in the streets. I'm going to leave my freak at this institution of learning and move forward. Now, before the Internet, we all know, that was what most girls that were freaks in school did or were overly promiscuous. I'm sorry, I don't want to degrade your show. That's what they did. They would go up to a campus somewhere, away from mommy and daddy, do what they do, come back home, and everything would start all over as if they had never done anything but been the Christine Angel. And that, your reputation couldn't follow you. Well, now we've got social media. But I'm saying, this, saying that to say this. You cannot build generational wealth having a system or a functional community system of illegitimacy because now the names will never mean anything. Remember when you were growing up, uh, Sharif and the other brothers and sisters on the line, hey, aren't you such and such son? Oh, you such and such grandson. They wouldn't That's even right. know now. And even though these are European names, but the things that tied you to a system of learning and a system of behavior based upon who your family members were, which is why that 78%, not 76%, 78% of so-called black children who were born during, I mean, prior to 1972 coming from a single family, I mean, from a a two-family home were able to prosper because all the resources stayed in the house. If you and your woman create all the children, even if your economics were not as superior as the next one, the family resources were there. And that matters, and if it didn't, you would not have this level of social dysfunction, which you cannot tie one social dysfunction to the presence of, uh, to the overpresence of a father. Every negative social dysfunction is tied to the absence of a relationship between children and fathers. So why do we continue to promote it as if it's a good thing or as if it's some strong women or women are holding it down? There's a lot more to a slogan than some may think. In fact, every movement, no matter how damn dumb it is, needs a slogan because it's like, what's the hook going to be, right? This is throw a hook to it, strong, black, and independent. Really? What are you free from? What are you independent from? But go ahead on, brother. No, brother, you, you, you touching on it. I mean, when you talk about socioeconomics in the family, I mean, let's look at the Mormons. You know, they come together and 
They put all those resources in one house, <laughs> you know, all those incomes in one house. I'm just speaking about, you know, what, I, what I've seen and heard. But you, you bring up some interesting points about, you know, the family structure. And, and, and I know you and I had a the conversation Amish, about. The Hispanic? The Amish, the, the, the Amish, our old Mick brothers from Mexico, any of them. The Indians, and I do mean those from uh, India. My Mandarin brothers and sisters, y'all think really they do that many damn nails, people? Are you serious? Come on. They believe in community economics, and community economics is taught first in the home. That's right. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for cutting you off, bro. No, that's right. I mean, that's a great point. So when we talk about some of the consequences that we're seeing today when we talk about before we get into the prison system of, of the men with the child support issues, when we talk about some of the consequences we see to Ferguson, the New York, uh, a lot of the young teenagers, both black and white, you know, listen, we have that destruction. We have drug use amongst all cultures. We have crime amongst all cultures. We have mass shootings done, you know, mainly by white population. And we have, of course, black on black crime, which is, is, which is an issue as well. Uh, and we're looking at the facts that you laid out and, and that we discussed and the sisters discussed in the video of how we're growing up or we're incorporating men that doesn't have the connection to father. And we got to understand in the Bible it mentions the fatherless and the widows 44 times and it mentions motherless once. So the Bible in and of itself has put a special emphasis on fatherless and widows, and we have to take that into heavy consideration. But when you talk about the consequences of, our, of the kids that are coming about, and you mentioned you have daughters, and, and I have daughters, and you mentioned the sons, what are you seeing, uh, Greg, in terms of what are, what, is, what are the qualities or inequalities of kids as a result of single-family households? Well, because the majority of the predominant households are ran by women, we have to be candid. There's a lack of structure because let's say this. Fathers don't really find things cute, care about efficiency and effectiveness. You know, we may think our daughters are pretty. We may even think the guy might be all right, but our real focus is what happens if I have to close my eyes forever? Are you going to take care of my baby? And to the daughters, you want to say, sweetie, you got to think about it. Is that guy that you open up your legs for willing to die for you? Because quite frankly, for, the, for my uh, people who follow tradition, what's the first question that used to be asked at any wedding? And many people don't know. Do you know, bro? I'm not putting you on the spot. The first, the first question, question that used to be asked at a wedding, mm-hmm. for sickness or for health. No, the first question. Who gives this girl, this woman, to be wed? Mm, father, and then what happens? There's a transition of responsibility. Remember back in the day when you had to knock on the door? The one reason that most guys stayed away from the house, they, man, I am not going to deal with this girl or dad because he ain't having it. Mm-hmm. Dad don't care about That's your right. cuteness, don't care about your damn shoes. Quite frankly, I want to know what can you do for my daughter. I know what you want to do with her because dad is thinking that way. Nigga, you ain't, I mean, well, young man, you ain't slick. The same way I think now. Right. I ain't trying to hear that. Because one, I ain't trying to deal with the, the fallout of the foolishness. I want to get back to living and enjoying my life, which I had a real good one prior to y'all coming around. 
I tell my kids that I had a life before y'all, and I had a good one. Right. So the, the, wow. the reality is what, what comes out is a sense of irresponsibility and that somebody's going to look out for you. And with boys, that is very destructive. Beto told Michael in the garden, in Godfather 1, after he had transitioned power, I spend my life trying not to be careless. Women and children can be careless. Men can't be careless, and our boys are finding that out every day. That walking around with your chest poked out does not intimidate people with power or presumed authority. They don't care about that. They will put a hole in you, and that's a hole that mommy can't fix. And we're learning that, unfortunately, the hard way. Edify them with education, bro. Talk about that, brother, because we touched on that yesterday. Talk about the educational system and the lack of male teachers, because we know that growing up, I mean, when I was growing up, it was predominantly female, okay, teachers in the school system. So I guess if we're coming, the kids are coming from a single family home with just a mother, and then they're going to a public education with mostly women, it, it seems like they're getting more of an infusion of, that female energy than that male energy. Oh, he started it. Now, I told you, I thought that was going to stay between us what I said at that school board meeting. And I, but I'll put it out there because I wasn't bashful then, I ain't bashful now. I'm just not trying to, well, I don't really care what anybody thinks anyway. So anyway, listen, I said at a school board meeting right here in Hillsborough County where less than 24% of all so-called black males are even graduating in the four years. So if you think about how many are graduating, what percentage do you think are ready for post-secondary education? Not that that indoctrination is necessarily an indication of how intelligent somebody is, but it shows that you can, you can actually be in a structured environment, commit to a task, and complete that task. But I said that there's too much estrogen in the school system, and I meant it. I said, quite frankly, I don't care if you have to pay men $15,000 a year more to come into education, to get men, especially in the primary uh, levels, into education because, one, that's the most formative years of anybody's uh, development is the primary years. Nobody would argue that. You can read today because you learned to read yesterday, right? Even if you didn't appreciate it, you learned it. And those are skills that, quite frankly, and when I was in education and I left the adult education system last, I realize that it's much harder to teach a person who's older than it is to somebody who's younger. But with that being said, it, it should be kind of striking to people that from the very same household that the women or the young girls are graduating, boys from the same household are failing. But we don't want to raise our eyebrow to that at all. We don't want to speak wow. to that because that's not popular. Because who is everything marketed to? Who's really the spenders of the money? And in most instances, based upon what you said, it ain't her money. It's women. That's why the most bought books are those fantasy books or whatever you call them, lovey love books or zany zane books and all that craziness. What's the most kind of watched television, drama television? We watch, I'm not drama, mm-hmm. what's it called? Well, drama, what's it? The other thing, reality stuff, whatever. I don't reality watch that TV, right. Okay. You watch reality TV. And you emulate that, but did you notice that the reality TV shows have writers and producers? But I'll leave that alone. But anyway, so what we do is we popularize it, even when it comes to the music. You don't hear the Ozzy Brother kind of style anymore. You don't have a smooth, uh, I want to love you and be there for life kind of style. Why is it that this so-called music, which really leaves a lot to, the, to be desired, but anyway, 
and it's not a slight on the guys, it's what makes money. The women buy music that is degradating to them. The whole thug culture, which, you know, you all what you are, we all what we all are. But if you are drawn to somebody who emulates the worst of society, what does that say about you at your core? But we are the culmination of the energy that created us, right? But we don't talk about that either. I used to say, oh, actually, I still say, you don't put a, dir- a dirty foot and a thud together and think you're going to create a rose scholar. It just ain't going to happen. Not because you ain't got the capacity, but what environment are you going to be dropped off into? You can't show me something that makes me focus on what's below your neck and think I'm going to work my way up. I don't see Beyonce and immediately think about, dang, I wonder how educated she is. I, I, ain't, I ain't wired that way. I don't go to a strip club to find a nuclear biophysicist. I don't go there to find a wife. We got to get back to what's going to edify our community in, in more ways than just uh, edu- not just educationally, uh, academically, socially, however it may be. And even when it comes to just being decent people, these things start with the women. The women are the standard of society. It's a difficult job, and I know it is, lady, but society standards are set by the wives and the mothers, not the chicken right. heads on the streets. But unfortunately, over the last 25 to 30 years, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, I graduated in 1986, who has been the predominant shapers and image makers of the control model for society, especially our community, our women? When Tupac made it popular to be a thug, everybody wanted to be a thug because why? Women found Tupac really cute with his whole thuggish, the thug passion thing. But I remember when Tupac danced with my man, uh, Shark Lee. And he even told y'all I had to change and get mean because being mean is how I got the part of my friends, the bitches. We got to go hard on them. Damn, bro. You the same mm-hmm. guy that said a girl said you was too nice. Mm-hmm. But I'll yield to the floor. On the music issue, we have to we have to deal with it. I mean, I, I kind of look at it from this perspective. Based on what you said in the historical and esoterical information you provided, let's look at it. Well, they grew up in single family homes, disconnected from the father, mothers disconnected from the men, the husbands. They grow up. They're just being supported, and we're going to get into the child support issue. They're being supported minimally. Uh, the state is giving, you know, putting the women in, in a project, a consecration, consecration camp, a farm, whatever you want to call it. All the women in there are there suffering the same consequences, which is menless and fatherless. And then the men know where to go, you know, to, to the farm and, and mate. And, you know, they mate. They're, they're, there's, no, there's no vetting of, of the men. Uh, the men are looking at it, okay, well, you're on welfare, you're on the state. So, you know, I mean, you know, you know, I'm over here driving my, you know, my Capri Classic with my 28-inch reels and, and the TVs. And, and you know, and, and you know with, with that, that's appealing because, look, Pookie or Jack, well, Brian has a few more dollars than I have. So, you know, he's going to come over a little while. We're going to get into it. The guy's going to feel like, well, she's on welfare, really. She's not, you know, they're going to let the state pay for it. And you're sitting up there sleeping around with state property. And then they get snagged yeah. into the system, <laughs> which is the child support. The state start coming in and say, okay, where, where's Pookie that you slept with and produced this baby? Where's Jack? Where's Brian? Brian, give me their names. We want their names. Because they've been messing around here with state property, we need their names, put them in the system, 
And then now we're going to talk about what happens once that once you get into the system. And, of course, our woman's going to give him up. What's his name? What's his full name? Where does he live? Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, who is he? I, well, you know, I think he works. We got the brothers that are middle class, upper class, maybe have a good job, and, you know, and, and they impregnate the sister and, you know, and then they move on and then they put their name in the system. And here we go with child protective services, child support, under the guise of being taking care of the kids. And we know the media campaign and, you know, you know, take care of the kids, all about the children. Tell us a little bit about that, Greg. Oh, heck. <laughs> Stay the away from me, Squid. He's starting. Listen, this whole, this thing about, oh, God, I'm trying. The guy, <laughs> I'm trying. I, I didn't have my medicine today. Um, not that I'm taking that foolishness, but the reality is, look at what has happened to what would be otherwise family distributed wealth. Because you have one, you have one woman who all the resources are in one house. But imagine what happens when a man has his resources pulled in other directions. Now they were saying the seventeen percent, uh, the seventeen percent issue, right? But seventeen percent after is it nineteen percent for taxes? So now he's he's starting with sixty. 17 and 19 is 36, so you start with 64% to live with, right? Let me ask you a question. How can you love something that creates pain for you? Is that really possible? Mm. Wow. Or are you going to have a built-in disdain, resistance, or animus? Even when it's a child, ladies, yeah, most guys don't love that child. You know why? Because there's nothing loving about them. Hell, there's nothing loving about you in most cases. You were something to do. Otherwise, it would have manifested into something else. People don't, I don't buy the 2000 and whatever, bro. You know, birth control pills right. since 1952. Why don't we talk about that? You're, what did I say about the European girls? You going to tell me that Becky, Sue, Tammy, and, 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 and Linda don't get it in? Let's be honest, people. There is a level of responsibility and actually a level of scorn and shame that's associated with being a single mother within other communities. They even know how to, some kind of way, in most cases, get immediately remarried. So they have what, what you call it, the blended family thing, right? Brady Bunch. I may be dating myself, right. but I don't care. That's true. The Brady Bunch. We can't get together and do a bunch of nothing but foolishness in most cases. We don't even talk about our antisocial behavior. Look at how we act around grown folks. You know where that came from? I'm going to say it out loud and everybody get the crowns out. That came from mama saying, you can't tell my baby nothing. Don't tell my child what to do. When at one time, one thing that was very present is anybody could tell a child what to do because a child hadn't earned That's right. no right to determine how everybody else is to live around them. You function within a system. This whole it takes a village to raise a child. Hey, bro, how many chiefs are in the village? Exactly. Don't villages operate based upon a sense of structure? And, again, if I'm wrong in what I'm saying, i got to understand, tell me then why do we have so many damn problems if anything that came, and it's not because it's my information. Even if I didn't have statistics, I don't have to be a political science pre-law major to have eyes that function. I can see. i got ears that function. I hear. You went out, when did we ever grow up? And, and, and we cursed around elders. And I do mean these things don't even go on anymore. We got the very people who built neighborhoods that are now being run down, afraid to come outside in their own neighborhoods. 
And we we don't we don't we don't have a problem with that, bro. Uh, uh, uh. You going in, brother? I mean, look, I, I I'm feeling you, so I, I'm seeing the violence and I'm seeing the pain. But you just struck a chord, because I'm telling you, when I was growing up, man, the neighbor, the janitor, the, the garbage man was able to pop you upside your head if he seen you acting out of pocket. The teacher, exactly. my teacher, elementary school, walked around with a yardstick. I had a teacher called Miss Keaton. She was an Indian. She wore rings on every finger. She would often punch me to the chest. The rings that ruler was that ruler so, was something else too, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm telling you. Now, you know, we're in a sensitive society since the government has taken over the family. They tell you, you know, you can't scream at them, you can't hit them. They tell the kids call nine one one on you, and then they take them away from you. Let's get into the child support system and the CPS, and they take the kids. First, they they separate you from the man, so you have no protection. The women are without men, so we all know that historically you want to create a society, society of people that are easily oppressed to take the father out of the house, to take the man away from the woman, and you will have a society that is easily oppressible. You agree with that? Well, of course. Oh, even if I didn't agree, it wouldn't make it right, not unright what you just said. I could disagree, which we have people who take the contrarian attitude, don't we? It ain't changed a damn thing, has it? Listen, you can't have protection of women when you don't create warriors. You create warlets. You get you create a lot of pout. Uh, 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 my man Sean McDowell, who used to co-host with me, he wrote a book called "Teach You Down When You're Gonna Get Up Power Chopping" or whatever. Pie chopping from a lot of the females. He, we did a show called Heavy as a Head that Rears a Crown. Everyone wants to be the queen or the king of a, of a castle. I and mean, by the way, a king is the ruler of the castle and the kingdom. In fact, even on the chessboard, you know, fathers, we don't tend to move and say a whole lot, do we? But, but our true. moves are significant, significant, just like on a chessboard, right? Everything around the king works to preserve the king except in our community. Mm. And kings learn to be kings by emulation, which is why we have, and it's going to be a sensitive subject, and I'm going to talk about it today on the sports show, because I've got to bring this Michael Sam thing, but that's why you have so many men that got these feminine tendencies, ladies, because boys, we blueprint. So if you created us from a, a no-good joker, and, every, and by the way, ladies, y'all tend not to move away from certain kinds of guys. So if if, if, if Sharif is, a, is a, a certain kind of dude and red pill and blue pill is a certain kind of dude, you tend not to want the nice guy until you all, you know, hollowed out. For, that's a nice way I said it, right? Until you're hollowed out. And then the nice guy is going to say, why should I accept this from you? And unfortunately what's happening, I shouldn't say unfortunately, one of the side effects is most brothers are going to other nationalities and cultures. And quite frankly, if you are a guy who works every day diligently, and you already got to live with looking like you look. You don't want to come home and fight a battle also. It's a battle just getting back to the door as we're learning. It's become popular to be insulted by our very women who really, there's nothing that can touch the sister when you talk about the physical beauty of them. It's not even close. It's a different ball game. 
but we're not. They're not being taught to be beautiful women. They're taught to be all be everything that really emulates or would uh, imitate a man. And lady, the only man wants a woman strong like him. You might want to check that brother, because he doesn't want you for how you like him. He wants you for what makes why you're different and completes him. I don't need the same thing I already got. Mm. I hope I answered your question, bro. No, but if you want to talk about the system, you can talk about that also. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get into the system because, you know, we hear a common complaint. Now, you're speaking about a lot of things. We're going to try to touch upon them. You're saying that the women are, the, the, the boys, the men, are growing up without the father, growing up just with the woman. Male, male. Women don't want you to tell your kid what to do. There's no father. As you said, the father doesn't like something that causes him pain based on the restraints and based on somewhat to some degree are men being irresponsible having kids as well. Right. The reality of the child. Yeah. Right. The reality of the child. Correct. So the men become bitter because they're put in the system when the women probably could have exercised a little bit more discipline in their sexual decisions. Uh-oh. Especially getting pregnant. Well, let's not say sexual. Oh. Let's say getting pregnant. So the welfare system, as the sister said on the video, really causes a lot of damages that we really don't talk about. Again, going back to the 1960s with the Welfare Act, maybe if that wasn't enacted, we would probably still have structure amongst the family. But And, and also take into effect the 76% of divorces are filed by women, and that's because, you know, in that system, you overwhelmingly have the advantage, so it's easy to divorce, it's easy to get them that's going to divorce them, it's easy for the women to seek out somebody with a dollar or without, either you're going to divorce them and get some money, or you're going to stick the child support people on them and have them in jail eventually, which leads to, and I'm going to let you get on this, to the fact that most women say, well, all men are in jail or they're gay. Well, we just spoke about the fact that if the women are just raising the children, and, of course, we have as parents or as individuals uh, uh, gender-specific, we're going to make some sort of reason why dad is not around or mom is not around, but in this case, dad is not around. So we start making uh, many. I've seen it. I mean, I grew up where I was, you know, all five of us were sitting on the couch waiting for dad to come and, Dad be five minutes late, and Mom be like, well, look, they've been sitting on the couch with their snorkels on, with their hoods and their boots, they're sweating, you're late, she start fussing at them, uh, she start acting like she's still married, and we be sitting up there crying, talking about, I want you to shut up, we just want Daddy to come get us. And uh, uh-huh. Daddy turn around and be like, you know what, I'm not still with you, I'm not married to you, you got me hung up in all this stuff, I, I, I'm out, I'm not coming. So I experienced that firsthand. But I believe that the independence and the welfare and the fact that the women are able to say, I don't need you, uh, and it was done so cheaply because, you know, we had to, I grew up on Section 8. I'm not going to even make any bones about it, Section 8. Uh, and, you know, it's funny that Section 8 I grew up on, it was in New York. Pill would know about this. You know, our, our big building in New York, uh, it was called a tenement building, but it was big. I mean, we had five bedrooms, and, you know, it's been on a few movies, but, you know, it was $300 a month. i never forget Section 8. That was my mother's portion was $300 a month. Today, that same condo is worth $3 million. But what I'm getting to is the fact that, you know, the women grew up and, you know, I had to hear about my mother talk a lot about my father in negative ways, and, and I think some of that was just 
make an excuse why they wasn't together. She still loved them. She still, you know, she still told me, you look just like your daddy. You look. So there was a lot of negative talk that would give me headaches sometimes. So you grew, men grew up, at least I didn't. I, was, I, I, I don't know why, but I didn't. And I heard T.D. Jake say one time, you know, the kids grow up, the boys, seeing mama all the time, and mama talking about how bad daddy is. So the men just start emulating mother because that's, what is portrayed to them to be pure and clean and unscathed. That's interesting. And, and you'll notice that women over, it's almost like women want to marry their sons, boys cling to the mom, create these Oedipus complex. You hear women inundate boys with senses of guilt. Well, what about what you're going to do for mommy when you get somewhere? When dad says you get famous, just get out the house. You know, <laughs> just, just go live your life and enjoy it, son, so I can get naked with mommy. If it, that's how it used to be. Parents wanted to see you get gone. Right. And we were wondering, well, right. what happened when they left? Why my, why my mom and dad always traveling? So they couldn't wait to get rid of your ass. Right. Y'all forget <laughs> that. See, what used to happen within the natural order of things is you meet this lady who you're crazy about. Y'all love each other. Sharon come. Y'all raise them. And you get back to being crazy about each other again. You get to walk around naked. You get the, the hug and kiss and lick on each other when the kids ain't around. Or the kids will come pop up and be surprised. Oh, what's mommy and daddy doing? They're getting back to what built you, which is why you have a solid foundation, because it came from love. Not because two people in the club were drunk or they were feeling each other or nowadays high and, and made something. But at any rate, there became a really popular thing. You kept going to the system. I'm gonna get, and this is one, one thing we know we hear. I'm going to get the white folk to get you to do it. And this is not a slight to my European friends as well, uh, or listeners. But if you want to stay in power, don't you control and dominate and essentially try to eliminate any competition? So if I already am in a position of power and authority, I mean at the higher levels, because don't forget, even if you only like the book because it's a book of philosophy, your battle is not with flesh and blood but with spiritual wickedness in high places, right? If I want to create a, a bunch of people that I can easily control, make you over-emotional, and get rid of any potential resistance for my future generations because that's what posterity is. Remember to ourselves and our posterity do it in the Constitution? Remember that? It was the founding fathers speaking to their own, even though you should utilize that when you go into a venue. But anyway, so if I want to make sure that my future generations are protected, I just eliminate the enemy. Or not, well, they're not even the enemy. I create them and make them my enemy. I eliminate the competition. How can I create a system or a, a, or a bunch of weak-willed, simple-minded men? Turn them over to the woman because the one who was actually here to teach them to be men, I have now ostracized and uh, excommunicated from the relationship. Even Dr. King said, a society that raises weak-minded men purchases its own demise on the installment plan. Or words to that effect, I might be paraphrasing it. And what do we now have? We have a bunch of weak-minded men raised by women who only parrot things. And by the way, parrots can't have cogent conversations. Parrots emulate what they hear, no different than you catching a hook on a song and that's all you can sing. Now we're parroting things that don't make no damn sense. Well, my mama really held down and took care of us. She had you. She had you and overstood her situation prior to giving birth. I ain't giving you no damn credit for that. And in many cases, there are a bunch of cases I'm learning about, and I help guys who want to be involved with the child 
and show them how to go about preparing yourself to go engage these people so you can get your children and be involved in their life if that's what you want. To the guy who don't want to be involved, I help him too. You don't want him to do with it, I'll show you how you ain't got nothing to do with it. It's time to get back to brass tacks. And I know, well, what about the kids? You should have thought about that when you brought them into the world. It, it takes a really selfish, and we've heard this comment, I want somebody to love me for me. But who the hell are you going to love? Men don't say no jump like that. I want to have a human to love me for me and give what in return? What you choose to give? These are realisms because I see it every day. Even before I went to the educational system, which I left 20 years ago, problems have now been amplified. You know how selfish you are to do that? Go ahead, bro. I'm going to transition into the prison system and, 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 and the child support issue, which is finding most of black and white at the liberty and abuse of our government and state. And many of us are under the illusion that all of this is for the kid. Again, we separated men and women, and we've separated women from men, and, and we're suffering as well, the men and the boys, because of a lack of the family structure including the feminine energy. But I'm going to transition into this next phase. I'm going to play a, seven minutes of a video, but I got talking about the prison system. Then we're going to get into the child support issue and how the prison system is used against most men, which women complain, you know, are, are, are either men are gay, which we, we kind of understand how that's come about, or in jail. And we're going to demonstrate to you why that happened. So bear with us seven minutes on this video, and we're going to get into this topic for the last half hour. My nationality is Edom. Uh, we're the we're the descendants of Esau. And Our main story tonight concerns something Americans simply can't get enough of: prison. We we love to be entertained by it, from Orange Is the New Black to seemingly MSNBC's entire weekend programming uh, to the TNT classic Tim Robbins stands shirtless in the rain, the movie. We love prison so much, a shocking number of Americans are currently inside one, as we learned last week during a House Judiciary Committee hearing. Our nation now has the greatest number of prisoners of any country in the world. Nearly one in every 100 adults in America is in prison or jail. That's true. We have over two million people behind bars right now. We have more prisoners at the moment than China. Than China! We don't have more of anything than China, other than, of course, debt to China. And, and it, didn't, it didn't always used to be this way. Our prison population has expanded eightfold since 1970. The only other thing that's grown at that rate since the 70s is varieties of Cheerios. <laughs> you, fruity Cheerios! You trumped up Fruit Loops and you know it! And, and look, look. Our prison population has exploded for a number of reasons, from the dismantling of our mental health system to mandatory minimum sentence laws, which uh, help explain why 97% of people plead guilty to federal crimes rather than risk going to trial, to, of course, drugs. Because half the people in federal prison are there on drug charges, and it accounts for a quarter of admissions to state prisons. And, of course, it's tricky to know how to feel about all this, because, on the one hand, the war on drugs has completely solved our nation's drug problem, so that's good. But, on the other hand, our drug laws do seem to be a little draconian and a lot racist. Because 
While white people and African-Americans use drugs about the same amount, a study has found that African-Americans have been sent to prison for drug offences at up to ten times the rate, for some utterly known reason. It, it reminds me... <laughs> It reminds me of a joke, you know, black people who commit drug offences, they go to jail like this, uh, whereas white people don't go to jail at all. <laughs> in fact, so many people, so many people are incarcerated in America right now that it's become one of the things that Sesame Street has to explain to children. My dad is... My dad's in jail. When I was about your age, my dad was incarcerated too. Incarcerated is when someone breaks the law, a grown-up rule, and then they have to go to jail or prison. We will be your need adorable singing puppets to explain prison to children in the same way they, they explain the number seven or what the moon is. And, and at least Sesame Street is actually talking about prison. The rest of us are much happier completely ignoring it. Perhaps because it's so easy not to care about prisoners. They are, by definition, convicted criminals. In fact, it's so easy not to care that we are really comfortable making jokes about one of the most horrifying things that can potentially happen to them. Go directly to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. And do not, I repeat, do not drop the soap. <laughs> Look, doubloons. Don't drop them. You know what? If we were in prison, you guys would feel like my bitches. We're going to federal pound me in the ass prison. Look, you got any idea what they do to eggs in San Ricardo prison? It ain't over easy. Oh. Oh. Do, do you get it? Do you get it? The egg's gonna get fucked against its will. That that's why it's funny. So wake up your children and explain that joke to them. They'll love it. We are somehow collectively able to laugh about references to the fact that 4% of prisoners reported being sexually victimised in the past year. One in 25. Now, that might not sound like a lot, but think of it like this. If every time you bought two dozen donuts, one of them had been raped, you'd be pretty upset. And those are pastries. Prisoners are people. If, if, you, if you don't know a prisoner, though, or think that you're ever likely to become one, then their safety and health is not going to be high on your list of priorities. You don't need to know anything about the conditions that they live in. But you know who should know? Maybe the director of federal prisons. And yet, watch him almost comically struggle to recall a basic detail about one of the most mentally excruciating things prisoners can be subjected to, solitary confinement. How big is a cell? How big is the average cell in solitary? Say the, the average size? Cell, yeah, the size of the cell. How big is it? What is, I'm trying to get this, this is the human thing we're talking about. We've got a lot of statistics. How big is the cell? The average size of a cell is, I guess I'm trying to find, you're looking for the, the space of what the... Yes, the dimensions in feet, in inches. 
the size of the cell that a person is kept in. I want to get some idea of, I, I don't know, am I asking this wrong? No, no you're not. You are not asking it wrong. As far as I can remember, you're just asking him what the style of the f***ing cell is. But, but it was a long time ago. And, and to, to be fair, he did eventually get an answer. The average size should be uh, equivalent to um, which six by four. What? Six by four? A couple of things there. One, that was clearly a guess. And two, six by four is barely an elevator. That, that is the length of a six-foot party sub by the length of the amount of that party sub that's left over the following day. Because nobody wants party subs. No, people put their hands all over them, they're disgusted. No one wants, that's not the point. That's not the point. But thankfully, a few minutes later, the record was corrected. For the actual, it's, it's 10 by 7 for the cell size. Ooh, 10 by 7. <laughs> Step this way. All right. Just wanted you to hear a little bit of levity. Apologize for the profanity, but this is an adult show. Why apologize, bro? It's real. And, and you know what? I, I, That's I'll, right. I, I don't I even want to get... I, I, damn it, I'm trying. Listen, <laughs> what they <laughs> might want to consider... That dog on squid kind of just shakes himself out sometimes. <laughs> but uh, one thing I wanted to talk about, because it was on my mind and you, you were talking, is that prisons create almost a diseased population. You know that, right? Because once they return these guys, see, the guys get tested going in. They don't get tested going out, coming out. And don't women love those muscle bands? You know how many pen pals a lot of prisoners have? I've heard the guys talk about it. It's, hell, they come on my show and talk about how many women would shoot, send them uh, certain kinds of pictures, you know, some of the stuff they couldn't have. But who is the most diseased of the nationalities of women? Uh, I'm just saying, these things, and, and, and even when it comes down to, this is how I was explaining this to a, a group of young ladies one time, uh, not overly young, but just teenage girls, and I, you know, naturally I had to calibrate for them also. Let me explain to you how this happens. Old, younger girls want things, like you were saying earlier, right? Who's going to be more likely to have things? Older guys. Well, older guys back in the day were getting money, and they were getting their sexual pleasures off on some dirty foots and some older women, even some, you know, tricks. So they go ahead and they contaminate the young girl. The young girls turn around. 